Everyone, hi, hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Alice and Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in the studio with comic, podcast host, author, more things, Moshe Kasher. Hello, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Wonderful to see you. Good to you see you too. Ju- actually, as we sit here now, it has not yet been released, right? That's right. It, uh, it comes out Tuesday. When does this come out? This comes out Monday. It comes out tomorrow, yes, everybody. It is called Subculture Vulture. Look, I have a superior copy. <laughs> and I have an inferior copy. You have the advanced copy, so that means you're uh, you're on the inside. That means that you're right. a, a, more of a VIP. Mm-hmm. But this is this is what the real thing looks like. Look at this. Look at this beautiful thing. Wonderful. Two be- books. I wrote, I've written two oh, books. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, you're holding one book. No, it's but- so profound, it feels like two books. <laughs> really? I mean, it really, it feels like... Let me do some quick math. One, two... Six books. Six books in really, one. Really, because it is about the six subcultures you've traveled through to in, become the integrated person sitting before me. The yes. whole man. <laughs> I, yes, that I am. Your new right. best friend. That's your right. old best friend. Well, yeah. Yeah. My old best friend that was Back. once new. Well, what what's going on for us is that we used to be best friends. Mm-hmm. And then we really... Grew apart? As sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. And, and it really is discussed in this book. <laughs> You know, sometimes I yes, all, our whole thing is in this book. Um, the magic of a relationship can can dwindle, and then sometimes, if you're really lucky, you get your best friend back, and that's yeah. how I feel right now. Did did you think that we weren't going to be able to rekindle our friendship? At I one was point? very nervous on the drive over. I'll be honest. This was a seven hour drive for me, yeah. and um, as you know, I live deep in Nevada, mm-hmm. um, in the the eastern deserts, right? And uh, the whole time, I was just thinking, I hope, I hope we can redo this. I hope. You know, do you feel the same? Yeah. Am I really dreaming mm. or is this journey yourself. an eternal flame? Oh, my God. Close your eyes. <laughs> yeah, I will. Okay, I am. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, close your eyes. Oh, give me your hand, give darling. Give me your hand. Dark. Are you allowed to sing this song without license? I mean, if this goes up and I get one of those, like, notices a copyright strike or whatever because you sang a few bars of, of the a, Bangles Eternal Flame that would be shocking to me. Yeah. But it could ha- I don't I don't It would be cool if you got litigated upon by the Bangles. Oh my god. <laughs> Susanna Hoffs. I mean, come on. I married her. Wait, is that what Natasha looks like? Yeah, right? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if she looks like a bangle, it's that one. There's another hot rocker. I mean, there's many hot rockers, but there I think is Pat Benatar the one Go ahead and look up my wife and tell me which one she looks like. She looks a little bit like Pat Benatar, I, I think suppose. she might be Hoffian. Yeah. But she might be Benatar-esque. She could be like a the love child. I yes. know why I had of to use such quotes. Because I would never say that, I guess. I don't of know. Pat Benatar and, and Susanna, Susanna Hoffs. But anyway, Susanna Hoffs, I saw her on, I don't know, TikTok Reels, one of those. She's 65 right now, which is insane because she I looks know. so young. Mm-hmm. Tony. Saxton, hello. Hi. Yeah, I was going to chime in there anyway. Did you see that as well? Uh, well, I've I've met her in person a couple years ago, and yeah, she. It was, I was blown away at how good she looked. Still got it. Yeah. And that's what counts. Looking good. <laughs> hey, it doesn't not count. It does not not count, particularly in this city that uh, in which we live. 
Oh, City of Angels. The City of Angels. The City of Dreams. City of Stars. Mm-hmm. Like the movie that I wrote. I wrote the movie La La uh, Land. La La Land. Yeah. You, I love your movie. Yeah. And I starred in it. Oh my God. You look so different. I'm the star of La La Land. Congrats on getting. The Oscar nom? Yeah. But is it like a um, bittersweet for you because people are like, why did you get the nom? I was stoked. Uh-huh. That my co-star and the director didn't get nominated. Oh, so I don't okay. care about the comparison. I'm happy that the, at their uh, downfall, and that feels good. Wow. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, out, out for number one. That's right. <laughs> um, do you have an opinion about Barbie? Because I feel like lately I've been encountering a lot of, I'm just going to say it, men. Who, okay, then. <laughs> who didn't like the movie? Um, okay, I do have an opinion about it, but like a man, I have not seen it. Oh, but I do have an opinion oh, about it. Without, but by all means, then. <laughs> I mean, I'm a white guy. I mm-hmm. I I gotta have an opinion on something I don't know anything about. Yeah. Okay, here's my opinion. Okay. on Barbie, without having seen it, I should really watch it this weekend. I know it's good. In fact, I'm sure it's. I in fact, I know it's great. Well, see, that is the people, the men I know who have had negative opinions about it went into it. With very high expectations. Oh, interesting. So, so maybe I, I would, shouldn't say maybe, this. Maybe, yeah. Tony, I'm asking you next. Okay. 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 Here's what I think. Why am I saying this? I'm like, I'm trying to promote my book. I think it's great. <laughs> um, but I think <laughs> that it can't be, it feels hard to believe it's as good. Oh, why am I doing this? This feels like a terrible mistake. Well, who's going to come after you? Greta Gerwig? Yes. Okay. Taylor Swift and Barbie feel like um, a. Oh. Uh, they feel like a cultural they feel like culturally linked in that they are very good they are both very good products but it it seems hard to believe that it matches the amount of uh fervor right that of 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 how good it is so i think that it's a it's a it's a it's a a ripple in culture it's a it's a Ooh. meme it's more than a movie it's a part of a large a broader movement a and- movement of broads <laughs> <laughs> okay so i saw barbie I, I took elliot who is six and mm-hmm. was six when we went i enjoyed it i thought it was clever i thought it was funny i liked it a lot uh elliot liked it too there was a scene where he like was i think he had little tears in his eyes it's kind really of emotional at a certain point yeah your son uh-huh that's so sweet i know isn't it my daughter is a sociopath and i cannot imagine <laughs> that she would cry at barbie there's oh, no really? way no way no way. I need to find out about your sociopathic daughter. Oh yeah, I got I got tail. I mean, she's not really a sociopath. She's like the sweetest, but she's not sentimental. Okay. Yeah, and she does not get swept up by Hollywood. Always when something happens, she turns and she's like, "That's not real. That's an actor. That's makeup. That uh, it didn't happen." She's like really not oh, wow. taken away by a journey. Okay. So she has like a lot of media literacy though. Uh well, yeah, well she's an influencer. <laughs> she's what we call in the business a non-consensual influencer. Uh, we force her to make TikToks, yes. and it's not yet profitable. Right. But you got to just keep, yeah, any day now. Yeah. Any day. So anyway, I liked it. I thought it was fine. Um, wait, why did I? What did I think about Barbie as you were at Yeah, me? no, I know what I was going to say. So Barbie for me did not cause like, I didn't have mixed feelings about it. I just liked it. Yeah. But Taylor Swift, I have not, I hadn't. I had when I had my strong opinion, which I've since changed a little bit. I hadn't listened to a lot of Taylor Swift or any heard a lot of like reels. I mean, why do I keep saying reels? When I mean TikToks, how old am I? Uh, I heard love a lot TikTok, of just so I you know. Too. I just think it's such a cool um, uh, pl- 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 platform. Platform. Yeah. I just think it's cool. I actually enjoy TikTok quite. a bit. I haven't allowed myself to download it because I just oh. I know that I will 
it's like why it's like going to heroin going to a heroin dealer and you're clean and sober and you go maybe this will be good for me it's like i know what's there for me <laughs> right and it ain't good okay uh and by that are you talking about like watching a certain kind of content or just the addiction to yeah. the the yes. the scroll oh I, yeah it's good i saw a great uh post it was like i'm not a child i don't look at tiktok i watch popular tiktoks on instagram reels a week later like <laughs> exactly. a grown-up uh but anyway with taylor swift i hadn't listened to her a lot of her music and then when she did her however many shows she did in la i was like oh my god i'm the only person i know in my peer group and beyond who's not at these shows right when did this cultural moment happen and how did was i unaware of it that's how i felt about Taylor Swift. It sounds like that's how you're feeling about Barbie and Taylor Swift. Well, actually, it ties into the book. Not, I'm not doing this as Please. a... But it does. But even if you were, that's fine. Okay, thank you. Yeah. But it Probably does tie into the book uh, because that's what, in some weird ways, this book is about. Like, What's interesting to me about Taylor Swift is that it's cool to like the most popular artist in the entire world by a fair margin. Right. Like, you're cool. Yes. People actually feel like they're countercultural by liking Taylor Swift. It, exactly. And so the book is really about... I mean, there are two cultures that don't quite apply in this way. One is deafness and one is Hasidic Judaism. These are not it's scenes in the classic sense. These are worlds that I was born into. Mm-hmm. But, but a big part of what this book is about is like, at my age anyway... Life, I bet I'm going to go ahead and expand the at our general age. Yes. Life used to be this 26, right? Yeah, 26. (laughs) At 26, life used to be about this kind of pinball experience of like accidentally finding or stumbling into your worlds, into your experience, into finding your people. Like if you happened to like take up skateboarding, well, then you'd be a graffiti writing, blunt smoking, Mm -hmm. hip hop listener. Uh, under a bridge or if you happen to like tolkien when you were a kid then oh you would be doing a bloodletting ceremony <laughs> in the field you know like it was You'd this painting spuntiques <laughs> that's right it would be this stumbling it was this kind of beautiful stumbling mm-hmm. that used to happen and and then you know this book is really about my stumbling journey and then you get to not the end i'm in the middle of it but then you look back and you go oh wow it was a path like it felt like an accidental rolling of the you know the just clanging from wall to wall, but actually it was a path. It was leading me to this place. And now, and this is not a like, oh, why is why are things different? Yeah. Because things just are always different and you can't stop them from being different. But now because of the internet, because of TikTok, uh, and because of a lot of other factors, culture has gotten kind of squished mm-hmm. into this more, uh, I call it in the book, like a monoculture. Like hip hop sound has... Ed Sheeran singing a, a hook and right. uh, Nicki Minaj has techno beats and uh, and and like basically culture is in your pocket like what is cool and what is what is what you're supposed to do is kind of uni- more more universal uh, it's not fully universal but it's more universal and so you get a thing like Taylor Swift being it's like you know being the she's the biggest artist in the world by by far and yet it's like this is counterculture because we're here. Right. Where counterculture used to actually be counter to the culture. Right. So the question then for the Taylor for the Swifties, what is it counterculture against? Like the message that Taylor Swift can't be popular us? No, I mean <laughs> us who are like what's going on with that? To give credit to Taylor Swift and what she's doing for uh, I think and I, I think it's fair to say for young women's mm-hmm. uh 
identities. She's like, I mean, my therapist had to reschedule because she was going to tell her Swift. And she okay, so 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 regular, <laughs> uh, just ladies' identities. Is she's this mega powerful woman that don't take no guff from no right. from no man, and she's she is a boss. She's a goddess. You know, mm-hmm. she's like she represents a kind of goddess, a beauty, but also a power. Uh, and so I don't think she's without rhetorical power i i mean it's, her music is not for me if i have to uh go with one of the uh the mega divas of the gen z Ooh, universe let me see if i can guess i first of all i don't even know if i know all the mega divas. i don't know them all either tony do you know the mega divas no, the, did no, you know no, that no. tony's in a rock band oh i can it looks right it, it, yeah <laughs> he I can plays see drums that. in a band called motion city soundtrack i They're like the big. first syllable of it a lot <laughs> oh yeah uh, now that you, Most, you're on to something it actually yeah. sounds yeah. like Moshe City soundtrack. You should change the name, but yeah, only maybe. very slightly. Yeah. yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, guess can... my guess my let's... diva. I want to guess your diva, but first I just want to make sure we're in the right realm of divas. Yeah. We're talking modern day. This I'm talking is... modern day mega 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 female stars that tweens love. So it's not going to be like your Celine Dion, your Janet. Oh Jackson. no no no! My heart we're talking will go like on. Billie Eilish. Is one of them. Yeah, right? she is one of them. Uh, who else? Who are the other ones? Mm, good question. Okay, you got your Billie Eilish. You got Olivia your Ari- Rodrigo. Yeah, you got your Ariana Grande's, right? You got your... It's not going to be her. Uh, wait, is, is Dua Lipa... That's in the realm of rap. and we're, we, That's not right, Yeah, right? I was going to ask yeah. if you're counting rappers. I don't think that. we're counting rappers. Okay. I'm talking... Okay. It's like a, of a thing. It's is like, Sia one of them? That's a in- very interesting question. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm going to say no. Okay, then it's not her. I'm actually just going to say it's Billie Eilish. It's Billie Eilish. You nailed it. Nailed 100%. It. Oh, my yeah. God. I think she's great. I think if she wasn't... She's got so, a Barbie song. She's too famous to, for the kind of music she makes. I think if she was less oh, okay. famous, if she had gone in a different direction, she'd be thought of as like a sort of Kate Bush type. Right. Because her music's super interesting. Would, do you, What do you think? You're a musician. Uh, I, to be fair, I haven't listened to a ton of it yet. Okay. I hear you. <laughs> I mean, listen, uh, I, uh, I'm not saying uh, I'm... I don't love what I've heard, but I haven't heard much. I just think she's much more interesting than the than the pop stars that surround her universe. Yeah, kind yeah. Of I get behind that. Yeah. So Tony, yeah, the conversation has moved on, but I did say I was going to get your Barbie thoughts, oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. I must pay that off uh, for the person who's <laughs> like, I need to know. Yes, uh, I saw it. I enjoyed it. It. I will agree with the it was definitely built up a lot and I so I think maybe it didn't quite live up to mm-hmm. what I heard but I did I did enjoy it though yeah okay good yeah, so I'm gonna go. watch it this weekend so I'm not just talking about something I don't know anything yeah. about I've listened to Taylor Swift a lot I mean a lot is the wrong I've tried I've gone down the road I, ca- I kind of got into her because I started with like I do not get it and then a lot of and I had said it on the show and a lot of listeners are sort of around our age, 26, and they yes. really like her. And they're like, you got to give it a chance. And I did. And I did find myself beginning to like her more and more. Well, when people talk about her, it doesn't sound like they're talking about their favorite musician. It sounds like they're talking about Christ. <laughs> yeah. And that's the part where I'm kind of like... You got to give him a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, your soul depends upon yeah. it. Okay, so, so much to talk about. Let's do it. Let's just talk, first of all, about this lifestyle change you've made lately. I thought you only had small dogs. Oh, yeah. And, and you posted a, a thing with a big dog. I but, stepped it up. Yeah. Now, am I right that you only had small dogs, or is that just since Natasha? I've only ever had small dogs my entire life. Okay. Uh, yep. An avowed small dog dude. For sure. I never wanted a big dog. But then, I don't know if you've been um, feeling this at all, but the last five to seven years have been a, a little dicey. Oh, yeah. 
Have you felt any of that diciness yeah. that seems to be surrounding us? A, a palpable dice. There's a, yes, there. a roll of the dice. Yeah. And so I started to have this fantasy um, about a dog. Okay, because I wanted a gun, but then I don't want a gun. You know, it's like I have the same right. Unless you're watching, in which case we are armed to the teeth. Uh, I mean, yeah, not true. if you're wa- not. For, I don't need everyone watching to know that we're armed to the teeth. I just mean if you mean me harm. Yeah, there's security here. <laughs> but um, I thought I was like, oh, I should get a gun, and I was like, I don't want a gun. I have a kid, and mm. I don't want a gun. I don't oh. want a gun. And then I thought, what about a gun you can pet? Yeah. What about a gun you a love? Snuggle, a snuggly gun. Snuggly gun. A furry gun. Right. And I thought, okay, I want a German Shepherd. <clears throat> I want a German Shepherd because when I go, my wife uh, is small. and um, Natasha Legero. For anyone who doesn't know, your tiny wife that looks my like tiny wife. a love child of Susanna Hoff. That's right. At Benatar. Hoffian. And uh, she's small. She likes to go for walks on her own at dusk uh, in short shorts. With a uh, t shirt on that says, Take me, I'm yours. No, but you know, I have anxiety <laughs> right. about she that. She takes her ring off first. That's right. <laughs> she puts mistletoe. She has like a little head. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird, actually. <laughs> so I, I, and then I go on the road and I leave my family at home and I got this y- young daughter and I just was like, Oh, it'd be nice to just have like a big, beefy man whose <laughs> DNA is to hunt and bite Jews. Uh-huh. Uh, I want a German Shepherd. And uh, and then Natasha was like, I don't want a German Shepherd. So that was our first issue. Why did she not want one? Scared, big old, you know, she chompers. likes little dogs. She likes little dogs, and German Shepherds are so masculine, you know. Mm-hmm. And she was like, What about a full size poodle? I'm like, No one's <laughs> a standard poodle. No one's avoiding, a, even though I've heard that they are, they can be fierce. No yeah. one's no no criminal is going away because there's a poodle. <laughs> right. So she goes, Okay, okay, fine. German Shepherd, can we do a mix? I go, no, I can do a mix. Did you consider like a pit bull? The typical pits are out because you're Natasha of too much anxiety. I okay. don't have I don't have anxiety about a pit bull, but she does. So pits were out. We went through every every dog breed. A Newfoundland. Do you know what those are? They're, I know they're huge. They're elephants. Yeah, and they love kids, but they don't quite look scary, and okay. they pull you over. What about like a mastiff? Mastiff, pretty cool. Every dog. This is what I've learned. Every dog has a deal breaker mm, every one yes. of them there's not one where you're like okay th- like like the dog that is the ultimate big dog for like chill uh, coolness labrador yeah Pro- deal breaker no one's scared of a labrador and they're the they're like known for being friendly nobody cares i thought about getting a silver labrador and then um docking its ears like a like a doberman <laughs> to like fool try to fool right. a <laughs> criminal into thinking it's some other anyway what about a doberman Doberman has a nervous disposition. I wa- uh, I like Dobermans, and I and I thought about that. Just too demonic looking for Natasha. Okay. They don't have a sweetness to their face. They really just are demon. Rottweiler. I did walk a, a Rottweiler named Peanut. Those um, are huge and sort of they scary. They die really quickly. Oh. That's their thing. They slobber. How quick? Eight years. That's not enough. No. You, that's just, you're going to have a dead, I mean, and then you go adopt one. It's already three or four. Right. Like you got three years? Yeah, dog's expiring so That's fast. Like, yeah. I mean, I've yeah. had books I've been reading for three years. <laughs> so, anyway. I've been reading Infinite Jest since 1997. Yeah. <laughs> for <laughs> that real. feels exactly <laughs> correct for Infinite Jest. Yeah. So then German Shepherd, they got a lot. There's a lot go- a lot of good to them. And there's they liked kids. and But then they got dysplasia and all this other. Anyway, whatever. So we, d- we agreed on a mixed breed German Shepherd. And then we get to the German Shepherd rescue place. And uh, and Nata- I bring out this one. It's like would protect our family, and she's like, uh uh-huh. And then they bring out our dog, and she's like, this one. And this dog is a fucking bitch. I mean, <laughs> it is so 
there's no universe. The only the only advantage is like if the criminal is looking at our house with binoculars and he will see a German Shepherd looking dog and go, oh, okay. But if he gets close to this dog, I mean, the dog welcomes any stranger. The dog <laughs> opens the door and is like, enchanté. <laughs> it's But he's so sweet. He's like the sweetest dog in the universe. And is he full German Shepherd? He's half German Shepherd, but he looks like a full a full on. What's his other half? Australian Shepherd. And do you know oh, what they are? Like not sort of? Not really? C- circus dogs. That is their background. Oh, really? Yeah, so my dog's a certified circus dog. Oh, I saw him in the thing that I commented on. He was like jumping through jumping hoops through ho- stuff. He, he learned how to jump through a hoop within 10 seconds. He does not protect our house at all, but he can jump through a hula hoop. And that'll scare, I think that'll scare the criminals <laughs> yeah, away. Right. They'll be like, who knows what else lurks behind? I got to tell you, Trick though, poodles. big dog world, it's a new world. It, What's it like? Some, it's something really, it's like having like um, a third of a lover. It's like he'll come and like spoon me. Oh. And like, you know, he's just like a, re- he's much more of a presence. He's just mm-hmm. like all, you know, it, it, there's adventure involved. Um, it's annoying. He he chewed up a thousand dollar pair of glasses like the day we oh, got no. him. It was literally the most expensive item of thing, of anything really that I own. Mm-hmm. And he just was like that. And he's like, do you love up. this? Because I'm going to destroy it. <laughs> yeah, that. But he's cool. He's a cool, he's a cool guy. He's so, got a GBE. Don't wait. He's got strong GBE. German shepherd. B is not shepherd. He's got. No, I know. I thought maybe the G was for German shepherd and then the B. Uh, German shepherd. He's got good boy energy. That's exactly right. <laughs> You're two for two. Oh my God. That he's was got exhilarating. Strong good boy energy. <laughs> but. Do you feel like he does any sort of form yes. of protection? Yeah. Okay. I've got the whole statistics worked out. Okay. When you have a scary looking dog, 75, I'm going to say, percent of the job of a scary dog is to be, is prevention, right? Mm. It's like walking around with a gun on your hip. In fact, right. in front of in my house, I have a Marine Corps Semper Fi sticker on the mailbox because i read online somewhere that's a good way to make people leave you alone like nra i couldn't go all the way there but marine corps i put that on there and then i went on to reddit r slash marines and i was like hey fellas <laughs> hey semper five fellas hey, is this um <laughs> stolen valor do you know what stolen valor is i do but i only learned it recently but yeah anyway i love a stolen valor uh, valor video on the internet oh yeah it's just some of the best content oh, wait, out there i don't know i only know the term what's a stolen valor video it's like a real soldier basically going up to a guy in a fake uniform and uh and yelling and screaming at him what, what base you go to where'd you do basic <laughs> oh who's your commanding officer do you take that off now and but there's a better there's a subgenre of the stolen valor video i don't know if i know this there's the fake, uh, the the false stolen valor video. These are even better. This is the guy, the soldier who comes up to the guy and starts screaming at him about his stolen valor, and then the stolen valor guy is like, "My basic was in blah blah blah, and I I, I served in blah blah blah." And then he, and then the guy that was the accuser has to oh run away God. with his tails between his legs because he was a real soldier. Oh, there's so much good on the internet. Is there ever a real soldier that confronts a real soldier? That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh. Yeah, but he those, has to... I see. I so he comes in it. all like um, um, military Karen, you know, and he's like, you don't right. belong in that uniform. And the guy's like, God damn, how dare you? I, I was a member of the fighting forces of George Patton. Mm-hmm. And then that, then the first, the Karen has to run away and he's embarrassed. I just, I, I on a Schadenfreude level, that's a good genre. Yeah. Okay. So is it some, is, is Semper Fi stolen valor? Okay. So the boys told me um, that, that they think it's cool. 
they laughed at me and said that I was half a man, which, you know, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, compared to a marine right. i'm surprised they gave me half yeah but yeah. then they were like if it works i think it's awesome and hilarious so they said no i'm good i mean it was not a true sampling of the entire right. marine corps but i well, got hey, permission it's the, it's the ones on reddit though yeah those are so, the best ones yeah, yeah uh i feel like i want to get one of those now you, you should i mean there's no downside to it i mean it might not work but anyway oh, that was my point i put that on there so a criminal comes by sees that go oh marines live here keep it moving right so uh, I feel 75% of a scary dog is the criminal looks in the window and goes, fuck that, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then t- 22.5% is the dog barking and growling at the person that comes towards you, right? Um, I don't have that. And then 2.5% is the dog attacking your attacker. I right. mean, when are you really going to need that? Almost never. When are you? How many times have you been attacked? <clears throat> I don't want to ask you that. Why did I ask you that? This could bring up trauma. I think none. None. Yeah. So, so the odds of you actually being attacked and needing right. the dog to bite a person, almost almost infinitesimal. Right. Uh Okay, so like you met my dog. She was like a stuffed animal. Is no, she going to help at no, all? Zero. So. Oh, yes, yes. 10%. Uh, bark okay yes, just doesn't but, doesn't want you to wake up because wants to just right. get in get your that's vcr what I'm saying. like go. is a criminal dissuaded by just the presence of a dog that can make noise i would say that the criminal is 10 percent dissuaded uh, this is by the way these statistics just Don't so you know up. they do add up they add up perfectly but they are made up Okay. I do not know what I am talking about, but I am a master of human psychology, and I feel like there's something to this. It's so funny because I assumed that you got these from like, Mm-mm. like, our Slash. home invasion or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just, means I knew they weren't real, but I figured you got you weren't making them up. No, I mean I I do believe them. I'm not lying. I just am. <laughs> talking out of my ass so i do think that i got the 70 percent. i think that if a criminal came to your house saw your dog he would try to break in and then if your dog began barking which she would he would maybe and let's let's be more generous he or she uh i do think how about they okay they would probably leave because they don't want the hassle of you like get it coming out uh, but if they saw mine, I say seventy five percent. They're walking the other way because they go, "That's a German Shepherd. I don't want. I don't want in there." But if they met mine, they're they're coming back and they're going to steal all my stuff and take my family and probably take your dog. Yeah, he would they, go with them. Yeah, he What's would. Your dog's under, name? Captain. Captain. Yeah. Is that stolen valor? That's a great <laughs> question. You know the thing about German Shepherds is they're all named German names. His I name's like Captain Von. Not all, but like if you go to a breeder, every mm-hmm. every dog is like a Streckenfach von Herkenbauer. Yeah, and also don't aren't some of them taught commands in German? Yes, they're taught commands in German. My plan originally was to name the German Shepherd after a German uh, partisan from World War II, so a Nazi hunter, yeah. to reclaim the German Shepherd for my people. And uh, in the end, nothing stuck, and we just went with the the name that the that the shelter gave us. Okay, Captain. I like that though. Captain Von Trapp. Oh, from Sound of Music. Yeah. Tough. <laughs> yeah. Christopher Plummer. It's yeah. Tough. Uh, so this fear of home invasion that you have, though, yeah, is this new? Is this born of something? Is this because you have a family to protect now? Well, I think I think that yes, it's all all of it. It's it's new 
and it 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 is born out of the chaos of the last few years just in general oh the diciness just dicey right it just feels like things are less stable mm-hmm. and not that you are at imminent risk of of being attacked but that it would be nice to have a security system now more than ever so now i've got captain which is not a security system right right have you ever been uh have you been attacked I have been attacked many, many times, but that is not because of the chaos of uh, the contemporary era. It's because of the chaos of my youth. Right. What kind of attacking are we talking about? I've been jumped. I've been beat up. I've been, I got a, these are the kind of people I hung out with when I was a kid. I've been beat up many times. Have you ever been in a fight? Uh, Thankfully, no. You're in a rock band. You must have been in a fight. No. Never been in a fight. No. See, you got to be in a fight. One. Has Natasha? Yes. Really? Yes, she has. Wait a minute. I actually feel like I vaguely know something about her. I don't know what I know, though. Was but it when she kid. was very young? Yeah, it was when, yeah, yeah. when you were a kid. Because she was a mean girl, right? I think she was a mean girl. Yeah. And I think she is a mean Still. girl. Still. Yeah. No, she's very sweet. Um, but I have been, I think it's good to be punched in the face uh, once. I get headbutted by my kids all the time accidentally. It count. No, okay. no, it doesn't it's got to be like someone. You can't love the person. I mean, you can love them as a friend. I do. I had a, a guy once. Um, this is the kind of people I grew up with. This guy, he was always beating people up. And we were drunk one night and there was this new guy that came and hung around us. And he, we were all drunk. And my friend went over and started, was like beating him up. And I ran over to stop it. I go, come on, man, leave him alone. And I like kind of pushed my friend. And my friend turned to me. He goes, who the fuck you touch me for? And he, <laughs> and he beat me up. Beat me up. This is my friend. So then I ran off. I started crying. I always started crying when I would get punched. That was the worst part. But what part. were you, like 14 or something? 14, 15, yeah. I cry. I'm running. I run off. And I'm like holding my black eye. And he comes over very drunk. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to beat you up. And I go, you fucking damn right. You're sorry. Why the fuck you do that? And he goes, why the fuck? You don't talk to me like that. He beat me up again. Oh, my God. He beat me up during his apology for beating me up. That's the, the terrible apology. Yes. One of the worst kinds of apologies. <laughs> Did you guys become friends again? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we said for, I had, I mean, that was part of the problem of my youth is like my standards, the people I grew up with, the standards that I had were so low. Like if you accepted me, that was enough. Mm. You know, I remember there was this kid that we used to hang out with, and this is more. This is sort of more stuff that happened in my first book, which leads to the universe of the second. But uh, Casher and the Rye, Casher and the Rye, which is mostly just a tale of my wayward, insane youth, right? Um, and because you had gone to rehab and gotten sober by the time you were sixteen, just almost almost sixteen. It's crazy. And this that book stops essentially the day I get sober. There's mm-hmm. an image at the end of the book where all my friends we were at a Bart station in the Bay Area, and all my friends were like, "We're going up to this to Barclays, this bar that will serve a there was a there was some bar that would serve underage kids. I don't know why, but it had a pull up bar. You could no, it didn't. <laughs> but but uh, they were like, "We're going up there," and I said, and I'd been trying to get sober for months at that point, and in and out of rehab for years if you can believe it um and i said i don't think i can go guys i think i gotta i gotta go i gotta go and they all walked one way up the street and i walked alone and it was like a you know a visual sort of mm-hmm. metaphor for what i was doing i was going to walk alone into my new life and that's what i did and the book ends there and this book s- sort of begins right. at, at that same time but anyway we had this friend terry who we used to all hang out with and we um we were terrible. We would beat each other up. We would rob each other. You know, it was just an awful group of people. And Terry one day 
had a party at his house and like they broke back in through the dog door and they like robbed his house and like stole all his liquor. But and... there was a dog there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, a cocker spaniel. Is that what it is? A cocker spaniel. Uh, Cavalier King Charles spaniel, but same. Yeah. So anyway, then Terry, he stopped hanging out with us. And we were like, Terry's a bitch, dude. What's up with Terry? So He's such a soft motherfucker. What a bitch. Like, meanwhile, the, so for years, it was just like Terry couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle what he couldn't handle the streets. And meanwhile, like Terry was like getting through high school. Then he went to college. Then he became a veterinarian. And like all the other kids that I grew up with, like, you know, went to prison and mm-hmm. some of them were dead. And, and like, it was just such a funny image of us. We were so askew that we thought right. a person with self-respect was like, you broke into my house? I'm no longer friends with you. Had like some fundamental flaw in his personality because he couldn't hang. So that's the universe I come from. How did you... Because I was struck by these decisions to get sober and the you know the torment of it and all that. I was struck by just how young you were when yeah. you were dealing with all of that, but really making what I think are like pretty weighty, mature decisions so young. How did you fall in with that whole crowd? How did that happen? How did I start the descent? I get, yeah. Well, I, um, the way that I understand it now in hindsight, and this book is all like hindsight. I would say that's the mega theme of the book is like hindsight is that I was born into this strange set of circumstances. My parents are deaf, my half-sister, my half-brother, my cousins, aunts, uncles, everybody deaf. I was raised in Oakland with my my mother, my, a deaf single mother on welfare in Oakland Public Schools in the in the 80s and uh, late 80s and early 90s, one of the very few white kids in any class I would walk into. And then my dad, when my mom left my dad, like sort of dove into the deep end of Hasidic and ultra-Orthodox Judaism. So I was, you know, nine months a year in Oakland public schools listening to hip-hop. And then in the, my summer vacations, I'd fly back to New York and put on a slacks and a yarmulke and, like, cosplay as an extra <laughs> from Fiddler on the Roof for the, the summer. And all of these things. Uh, and then I had started to display, now maybe it's because of, or maybe, and it was an acrimonious divorce mm-hmm. as well. It was like, your father doesn't love you. There was all this kind of like tension. Oh, she said that, wait, to you. So your you were kind of caught in the middle. Caught in the middle and all these things. I started to display behavioral issues. And then my mother, who left my father through the power of therapy, therapy to my, therapy was my mother's Taylor Swift. Uh, <laughs> like she worshiped it. And, you know, and in, in, in the first book, I described this process where like my mom would be telling me something like the sky is green. And I'd say, mom, the sky's not green. The sky's blue. She said, no way. It's green. And then we'd go to therapy that week. And I'd say, my mom says that the sky's green. I think it's blue. And the therapist would go, B, it's blue. And my mom would go, okay, it's blue. It was, that's how much she believed in, right. in therapy. You guys were in family therapy. We were in family therapy. And as I started to display these, uh, behavioral issues she started to shunt me down this Mm -hmm. path of therapy so i started therapy when i was four years old by the time i was like you know that's when you were displaying behavioral issues according to her i'm not a reliable narrator for she says and i guess i kind of believe her that i was starting to act out um and so i got that's believable yeah and i got sent down that path then by the time I'm in, I was in sixth grade, I was in special ed because that was another path. I had educational issues oh, and my right. mom would shunt me down that path. What? And you were tested a lot for like learning disabilities, oh, different yeah. things, right? What did they find? What did they say was your situation? Uh, I was, uh, I was diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder, 
uh, oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder, uh, acute depression, ADHD, visual spatial learning disability, and white boy that thinks he's black disorder. Uh, so those are the official diagnoses. Okay. Um, so all of a sudden, I start to become pathologized, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm down this path. I'm in therapy all the time. I'm now getting sent to special ed. I begin to become pathologized. And um, and then I've got these weird parents with the weird voice that I'm ashamed of, you know, but I also am proud of them. But uh, And then I've got this weird religious thing and, and, and then this racial identity crisis, all this stuff. And then I found the kids at the back of the school that were like, oh, are you a broken toy? Like, meet us at the back of the portables. That's where all the broken toys hang out. And we got high. And Portables? I was, are those the like Oh, you like know, the, portables. the little classrooms oh, that right, weren't the, like, connected to the building? Yeah, of. what do they call them in L.A.? Aren't they called portables? I've never heard it called that, but I can't remember. I don't remember what, what they were yeah. called. Yeah, well, I, I know what you mean, though. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I got high, and I felt nothing. I felt none of the difference. I felt none of that uh, uh, acute difference. I felt. Right. But the problem, of course, of getting high and having that feed—the only medicine that makes you feel yeah. okay ever—is that you're 12 years old. It's like you don't have a thing that goes like, "Now take it easy." <laughs> you know, we're gonna go slow. I didn't have Terry brain. You know, so I by the time I was you know 14, I was completely out of control, getting high every day, getting arrested all the time, getting in a fight. All was this. Was your co- mom aware of it? My mom had like literally a week of. Uh, I remember when I first started getting high, I'd be like, I'm staying, I, can I stay out till one in the morning? My mom would be like, okay. And then like a week later, I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> I see what this is. No. And then she started sending me to rehab. And then rehab became a like a part of the backbone of my world. And er- anyway, pathology, 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 and then and then sliding down the slide of, uh, of teenage drug addiction mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is that that actually is. So that by the time I was 15, almost 16, I'd been... Like I said, in and out of a mental hospital, in and out of three rehabs, arrest. I was on like a first name basis with the local beat cop in Oakland. I mean, it just sucked. And I had this realization because my thing was like, my problem was adults. You know, it was just like if everybody would leave me the fuck alone. Sensational defiant disorder. Exactly. Which I don't think they use that term anymore. Do they not? I don't know. I haven't heard. To me, it just sounds like kid who's dealing with stuff like is it truly a disorder i would doubt it's in like the dsm but i don't know i looked up by the way oh i remember a quote it's in the first book from my psychological assessment on his way to becoming a first class sociopath that was a quote that i read but i read yeah first class baby only (laughs) yeah that's weird but i got to read it right and it started to become like this self-reinforcing narrative that was yeah yeah. It really drugged me down, and um, and I started. It was not what you needed. <laughs> no thanks. Um, Miss me with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I I started to feel okay. So I had this thing where it's like actually none of this is true. What you is knew true? That. Well, I believed that. Good. I had this like obsession that like because my here's the thing about my circumstances. My brother had the same ones. Okay. You know, he's from the same family. All the things are true with him. Straight A student, never had a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, he's just smart and had it had it together. And he wasn't a square. He was just like not out of control. He used to say to me like, "Why are you always getting in trouble? Like you, you just always get busted. Just be smart. Do like me, and then you won't get busted." I go, "You don't even know. I don't get busted that often for the amount of shit I'm doing. I, <laughs> my rate, my hit rate is pretty high. I'm like, I just You're like, do you shit. Don't understand? I'm a first class Class sociopath sociopath. (laughs) yeah you'd be (laughs) shocked at how how often i get away with stuff 
So anyway, then I, I, I was like, oh, it's all adults. It's all adults. That's the problem. The adults are the problem. Right. And, and then I started to realize, like, <clears throat> it, that can't be that everybody else is the problem. And I... And See, I, that's really insightful at whatever you are, six or whatever. It's like, a, yeah, six. It was a blessing. It was like a, a gift from the uh, rationality gods. Yeah. I really, it did feel like that. It felt like I got touched with a, because, you know, when you are in recovery, you start to go, you start to realize like, there's no ethical difference between me mm-hmm. and uh, the person that died of an overdose after, I mean, there's no like, I'm not better. I maybe did more things to get better, but I'm not, I didn't. It's luck. Mm-hmm. I mean, either it's either it's God, and that's a terrible God, mm-hmm. who's like you. It's like a bouncer at Studio Fifty Four. <laughs> you come, you overdose. It's just, or it's luck, or it's a Random. confluence yeah. of uh, randomness. So anyway, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I realized like it can't be that it's everybody else. It was, it was a really, uh, and I'm going nowhere. I'm going to. I this is I'm. I am on the path to becoming a loser. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like knew that all of a sudden. Like this is, I had flunked ninth grade for the third time, and I go, "How I old was, were you at that point?" This is like sixteen. Okay, this is almost almost sixteen. So you were like now older than all the kids, or maybe my or were third you doing time, it from rehab? Maybe my third flunk. Yes, I was. Well, it wasn't like that. I mean, I make a joke about it. I go, it's like cool because you get to be like the cool older uh, <laughs> senior with a beard and a Camaro. But the truth is. It wasn't my education was so wild. I yeah. and at the end of eighth grade, I went to this severely emotionally disturbed school, which is the darkest place I've ever been in my life. It's like a, a school, but it's got a padded cell, and Jesus. and if you talk out of class, you had to put your your face up against like the wall for ten minutes. The whole it was just psychotic. And then I got out of that, and and I had uh, and I dropped out of school, and I flunked, and then I went back to school to another kind of school, and then I flunked, and then I was in continuation school, and uh, anyway, this is all first book stuff um chaos just chaos Mm. and uh and i realized one day like okay i'm on my way to becoming a loser it can't be that it's everybody else it's got to be me it's i must be i'm the through line so let me just get sober it's got to be the drugs so let me get sober and then that's when the really scary part began because then i i would the next day like i remember i went to my drug dealer's house and i like paid him off what i owed him and i bought my last bag and i told him like i'm done man of what were you buying it's just pot right i hate this question because <laughs> no no it's not you it's that every time and that this is a part of what i discuss in the book is that every time someone asks me that i feel like what they they want it to be heroin and i, I want it, liked it yeah. i want it to be heroin Me- meth would be okay i i've did listen i did PCP. meth but it was mostly my drugs were mostly uh drinking smoking pot and dro- dropping acid you were and also very young i was very young but what i'm saying is i had this uh, uh you know i mean i was a wild kid and i got high every day and we did acid every other day and i got street cred okay and we used to crush up our psychiatric it, drugs cool. and snort them and blah 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 okay. but the reality is like when i was younger i would go i got sober at 15 i've been sober 10 you know, five years i thought that was so cool and then 10 years i thought that was really cool then at about 15 years, when I was 30, it started to get weird. It started to feel weird when people would ask Why? me that question. Because it's like, what am I, I – I mean, I'm skipping a big part. But I was like, I was an alcoholic, a drug addict? Or was I? Mm. Or was I like a 15-year-old right. who had all these circumstances that were – and it, and maybe is there a difference between a drug addict and an alcoholic or, and a person that's dealing with their circumstances? It started to become this – 
existential uh, spring in my mind that like sprung when I got to a certain age and I started to think, does, do I belong in, am I, am I the thing that I thought that I was? Am I, am I the thing that the, that the story I've been telling about myself for the last 15, 20 years, is that true? Or have I never re-examined it? uh, The only examination I ever did was as a 15 year old looking at it and going, but anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I decided i went to my drug dealer paid him got the got the bag got high with him and i go i'm done man i'm out i'm out the game i'm go where terry is and uh then the next day when i went to his house to buy some more pot he was like what are you doing here man he's like you said yesterday you quit and you're back he's like you got a problem Um, (laughs) your dealer my my drug dealer did an intervention on me so that's that's like time to get help zone so i did Event that went on for months, and I would say no more, and then I would drink again, or say no more, and then I would get high again. And then I went, and then I finally was like, "Oh wow, this is actually scarier than I thought," because I know the solution. The solution is to stop. I know the problem. The problem is me and the and the drinking and the getting high, and I don't have any power to uh, affect the solution. Mm-hmm. That's when I went to AA for the first time for real. But I'd already been in AA because I'd been in rehab. So in in a way. I was really lucky that my mom was so on top of me because I w- the moment that I wanted to get help, I I just I already kind of had been there. Right. And I walked in and I asked for help. Um, you know, I raised my hand and I said like I need help and I don't know I can't keep living like this, but I can't stop the way I'm living and I just need help and I just don't know what to do and please help and then I got up and I walked out of the room, which is like, you know, very teenage drug addict kind of cry for help. So like, I need help, but, <laughs> but I'm fucking out of here. I'll be I'm, in the hallway. It's like that the you know you oh, doug this, yes <laughs> i'm, I'm out of here <laughs> yeah i'm doug and i'm out of here yeah it was motion i was out of there <laughs> and this guy followed me outside and he put his arms around me and oh i should say when i walk into the room it's the monday night young people's meeting in oakland california it's the young people's meeting i'm the youngest person by a decade and that was true for me for a decade mm-hmm. you know i was the i was the mascot I was always the youngest person in the room, at, even at a young people's meeting. And um, you're there, Mikey. I was there, Mikey, around. though, <laughs> and they would treat me like Mikey. I mean, no, okay, this is true and not true. The thing is, the, this guy followed me outside after I cried for I, that cry for help, and he put his arms around me, just a stranger, and he said, "It's going to be okay." Now, as self, as helpful advice goes, I think we can all agree it's going to be okay. Not super high level, right? Kind of garden variety. I would say it's sort of the first thing you learn when yeah. you maybe say it's going to be okay. But you know, it was like enough. Mm-hmm. It was like he just hugged me. Maybe I just, I just needed a hug. He just said it's going to be okay. He hugged me, I'm, and it was enough to get me to go back in the room and sit back down and start to listen. And I looked around. I realized, oh my god, my problem was adults. This is all fucking adults. These were like old people. These were like twenty five year olds. Like they were gross. And. um <laughs> And, but I just stuck around. I would just go to meetings and I would like try to soak it up and I would listen to what they – because the thing about adults was they would always tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the problem is they're telling me what to do. And the cool thing about AA, at least at the beginning, was it didn't quite seem like anybody was telling me what to do. They were like kind of more telling me what they did. Right. And I was like, well, they sound like me a little bit. Um, that guy with the swastika tattoo, <laughs> he seems just like me. And and it just got me in the door long enough to start racking together days. Mm-hmm. You know, that idea of day, one day at a time is like, it's, as I say in the book, is like, it's the kind of advice I hate because it's so, it's so simplistic. It becomes, insu- it's condescending. Right. It's like, I know what you're doing here. 
You're saying one day at a time, but uh, you don't mean one at a time. You mean <laughs> one day at a time for the rest of time, give up on ever having a good time. I get what's going on here. Uh, but there's like this deep, crazy power in one day at a time, which is like people would say, can you stay sober till you go to bed tonight? And I go, yeah, dude, I can do that. That's not the fucking problem. The problem is I can't stay sober like mm-hmm. after that. And they go, well, don't worry about after that. They go, get high tomorrow. I go, what? You can get high tomorrow? This place rules. <laughs> so then I do that. I just be like, don't don't drink until you go to bed tonight. And then I go to bed and then I wake up. I'm like, fuck yeah, so let's get let's get high. And then I'd be like, oh no, wait, it's today. No. And I have to start the thing over and start to rack up these things. And then and then one day became a week, a week became a month, a month became a year, and my head started to lift, I guess. I've been talking for a long time. No, no, it's it's I have a question. So now looking back, yeah. do you think that it's where have you landed on the like, was I just 15 or did I have an allergy of the soul or whatever the, well, the terminology is? So that's like a big part of the journey that I discussed in this. It's like I, the minute that my head popped up and I started to connect with what happened in AA and, and get, start to do the, the actual work of AA. Um, a line I like in the book, as I say, the work, as they would call it if AA was uh, filled with vapid actors, which <laughs> It is, so they do. But um but I I so at that moment I was like aflame with the reality mm-hmm. that I was an alcoholic. I knew it to my core of right. my core. I was that. I had all these problems surrounding me and all, all these diagnoses mm-hmm. and and none of the medication that I was on and none of the therapy I went to ever helped a bit. And then I went to AA and I worked the steps and I got better. That means this is proof mm-hmm. that I had undiagnosed alcoholism. And once I started to treat my alcoholism, I got better and I was better. That proves that I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, evangelical. You know, I was like on fire for many, many years. Uh, then... At about like maybe 30, I started to have this little weird niggling doubt, which is like, but how do you know any of this? Like, it was right. just this weird like thing that I couldn't control. Uh, it was, it, and it was really scary. It was mm-hmm. a very scary process that I, I, I go through in the book, which is this like little feeling of doubt. Like, am I positive uh, now as, as an adult? What about me is the same for when I was 15 mm-hmm. other than my permanent state of alcoholism not literally nothing it's like a different organism that i that mm-hmm. i think about but then there's this other messaging that goes like you know uh, you're you're once you're an alcoholic you're always an alcoholic mm-hmm. uh, once if you, you can't become a cucumber once you're a pickle you're a pickle hun or whatever you know like <laughs> it, that's sort of that kind of thought conditioning is in there right. never drink again to, for us to drink is to die if you and for you to leave aa is to is mm-hmm. to drink again and uh, this whole thing um and it took me a lot of years of grappling with that i i describe it as um this section at this part of my life as um uh waking up one day and realizing that you don't love your wife yeah and you're like no or even a better analogy is waking up one day and realizing you're a church elder and you don't know if you believe anymore and you go if i leave everything's gone my right. family's gone my 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 partner's gone my system of belief is gone my friends are gone what do i do like mm-hmm. and how long can you live in that what do i do here do i stay and fake it for the rest of my life because this is safe or do i start to confront the the questions that i have so in the end um i don't know if i am an alcoholic i i know i used to know mm-hmm. i no longer can answer that 
I don't really think I know what alcoholism is. Right. I don't really know if I fully believe in the con- conception of alcoholism that AA um, outlines. Mm-hmm. A big part of AA's outline is um, calling back to this Dr. William Silkworth, who was like the head of the town's hospital in 1935. And I used to read the book with people and go, Dr. Silkworth, an expert, expert, the number one expert on alcoholism. And then it's like 20 years later, I go, in 1935, he was the expert of <laughs> yeah. one hospital in 1935. Like, I don't know that this is medically sound. But isn't it enough that you wanted to stop using and couldn't? Oh, to, to prove to me that I'm an alcoholic. I guess, well, but I, I'm actually, I actually wasn't taking it that far. I was taking it like, yeah, I mean, I guess the your question is like, Am like a binary question, like am I this or am I not? Well, here's the thing, and I want to say this, like, because this is important. I, this was the section of the book that I had the most anxiety about writing because I thought, in a way, and maybe I'm, I know I'm overstating my value in the world, but I, it felt dangerous. Mm-hmm. My process, I didn't like talking to other people because in you don't recovery. want to dissuade someone. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Listen, I this is true. People that leave AA. Um, are more likely to drink again. Are, these, just, are you making these statistics up? Just kidding. No, but this, this, <laughs> no, it, I, I am making this one up, but it's an, this one it is, is anecdotal. Yeah. I've seen oh. it. Anecdotal yeah. in a good way. I mean, I've literally seen right. it. If you leave AA, if you're in AA and you go, I mean, it makes sense. If your primary thing is that you are in recovery and your right. primary ethic is I'm a sober guy and that's what I'm going to be, I'm a sober woman, that's what I'm going to be, and then you take that ethic out, then yeah, the odds of you drinking again go up. Mm -hmm. And if you drink again and you had substance abuse problems in your past, the odds of you rehabituating are astronomical. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. That's true for me as well. Um, I more, so, so that is all true. Right. If you stop going to AA, uh, your odds of drinking go up. If you used to habituate, your odds of having a very terrible result if you drink again are higher, much higher than they are if you're a person that's never had addiction issues. Right. Um, if you saw the bag of vape juice I had three years ago, you would say, I think maybe you still have a problem. <laughs> um, and and so the question really becomes like, uh, what am I going to do here? Am mm-hmm. I going to am I going to continue to like I guess what I'm saying is. I didn't write this book to tell in any way people that AA is bullshit because I actually don't know. I don't think that it is. I don't think AA is wrong or 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 right. I, it's still the fundamentals of how I live my life. Mm-hmm. I still, you know, a lot. Truly, a lot of the principles that I walk around the world with uh, are things that I learned in AA, and I still believe that abstinence is by far the safest uh, and permanent abstinence is by far the safest. Um, uh, path for a person who ever had substance abuse problems i do not look back and think those weren't substance abuse problems i know they were i I know that i that i had a a a substance abuse disorder um i just don't know any longer what that means about the permanent state of being that i am currently in i'm still sober and i've been sober 29 years uh so i'm not yeah you're not are you tempted like did this realization make you more inclined to test it i am not tempted in that i do not feel a craving to go back to it there is no this is what i guess my dilemma there is no back to it that's that's not me anymore yeah or maybe it is aa in some ways would say it is that i have like a little demon inside they used to say your disease while you're in the meeting your disease is out in the hallway doing Doing push-ups you know like (laughs) maybe it is doing push-ups i don't know um 
you know, and they would tell you never to leave, don't stop going to meetings because you'll become a, they call what they call a dry drunk and, mm-hmm. and you'll be miserable. But I, I, I'm not miserable. Um, but that wasn't true for me. Uh, at a certain point, I had to give myself permission because I would have this anxiety because I, this is really the problem. I was a fundamentalist mm-hmm. as uh, opposed to my relationship with Judaism where I have just a really buffet style, you know, it's like somebody said the other day, eat the fish, not the bones, which I love, right? <laughs> yeah. I used to say, take what you want and leave the rest. I used to say, because I was an AA speaker that would get flown around the world, uh, and because I, I was good. I was bo- It was pre-comedy, so I was like working on that skill. <laughs> and I got sober young, so I had an interesting yeah. story. And I used to say, one of my like rhetorical p- polemics was, they say, take what you want and leave the rest. Mm. I don't think that's good advice because the thing that you leave might have been the thing that would have saved your life, right? So this is that was the oh, level. Wow. That's yeah, the level. Fervor. That's fervor. And the problem with fundamentalism, it's really good when you're in the middle of it. It feels fucking great because you're, you're absolute and you have certainty, right? You know everything, yeah. Right. The problem with fundamentalism is if anything ever becomes untrue, mm. then the whole thing becomes possible that it's untrue. It's like fundamentalism means you believe in the whole thing. And, right. and and at a certain point, my journey in sobriety took me to this place where I started questioning things. And it was a positive journey, but it it just unraveled the whole, yeah. like the holistic nature of the belief uh-huh. system I had. Yeah. I mean, I would, again, not an expert in these things, but I feel like I know some stuff. In... In the same way that when you said that you read that quote about how you're on your way to being a first class sociopath, and I was like, how can that be diagnosed at that age? Right. I also think how can like true alcoholism be diagnosed at that age? But it sounds as if there's no question that you have addiction had had well, that's the question had such have. That's exactly the question. Yeah. And, and you the, needed it then. I one hundred percent needed it then. There's no part of me that doesn't think AA saved my life and that i'd be dead or in prison or just worse of all, of all just like a, a failure just a, fa- a loser just a old loser that didn't do anything but drink and get high with my life right that's a sad reality uh there's no question aa saved my life and did that for me there's also no question that it um gave me a, a superior version of life it's not just that it saved right. me it also like gave me these building blocks for like my own personal uh j- journey of integration as mm. you mentioned as you described it in the beginning it, th- that's all real and I, this is not an anti-aa book at all it, it, it is in many ways a love letter mm. but in in some ways a dear john letter mm-hmm. like it's a sad kind of like goodbye because uh, i miss i miss that feeling of being the certainty I miss a certainty, but I miss a camaraderie. I miss, mm-hmm. you know, A is very powerful medicine. You go to these meetings and there's people with tattoos and piercings that are talking about their feelings and feeling vulnerable and ashamed. And then they, they pray and they meditate and they love each other in this really fierce way. Um, you know, it's a beautiful program, but it's got, it's got warts that people don't feel comfortable discussing mm-hmm. from the inside. As I say in the book, like you would be, by the end, when I started to go, I don't know for sure if I want to go to meetings anymore. I, it, you would be more welcomed at an AA meeting. This is anecdotal also, but it's true. You would be more welcomed at an AA meeting standing up and saying, hello, I'm going to get high in the bathroom now. than you would saying, hey, I've been sober a long time and I'm thinking about stopping going because I'm not sure I'm getting what I need out of it anymore. It, Right, right, because they are ready to tackle the person—not literally, but the person who, or maybe literally, who wants to get high in the bathroom. They're like, "We are good at that." Yes, we know this. We know this. That thing is scary, Mm -hmm. right? So they, so you know, they that thing uh, to drink is to die. Like that—that's simple. Mm -hmm. AA is in the life-saving business, yeah, and that's simple. 
don't drink, you will not die of alcohol right. overdose. You will not die of a fentanyl yeah. overdose if you don't get high. It's very easy. It's well, this is a, a dumb analogy, but I think it fits. Yeah. Um, birth control pills. I don't know if they... I haven't been on them in many years. Um, but back when I first went on them, it was like triphasal is what they called it. So there was like a different level of hormones for each week. And then they have one set of dummy pills um, which have no hormones in them, and then you get your period during that time. Right. And right. I remember the advice is take them, take the dummy pills, uh-huh. so that you're taking one every day. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking, that's dumb, though. I mean, like, I don't need to take, like, this is a sugar pill or it's a nothing, uh-huh. like, it's cellulose. Like, why do I have to take it? And then I, like, fucked up. Nothing bad happened, but, um, but like I realized, oh, I'm actually not smart enough to keep track of this. Uh-huh. And I feel like it's kind of the same advice. Like you could risk it if you want. You could stop going to meetings. But the safer thing is just keep going. Yeah. Just take it every day. Yeah. And, don't, and it, don't risk it. And that safety mechanism is the reason I'm still sober. Like I in my life, the next section in the book, I know we're probably not going to have time to do them all. <laughs> but the next section of the book is the rave scene. Uh, where I became a, 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 this is just as big of a monumental uh, uh, discovery as AA was, but in a very different way. And this, uh, and I did that for years. I was a rave promoter and a DJ and a, eventually an ecstasy dealer, but that's a complicated story. Um, and that was after you were sober? That was, yeah, that was a, about eight months sober. I went to my first um, uh, rave. And Burning Man, I've been going since 1996, and I used to work there. This last year was my 24th time going. Um, That universe, the universe, and 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 not just like the party scene, but I've studied psychedelics uh, immense, like a lot. I did an episode of my Comedy Central show on psychedelics. I've worked with the people at MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, that do these MDMA treatments of PTSD adult soldiers, and blah blah blah. The point of all this is, I believe in psychedelics, Mm -hmm. and I and I I would like to have an adult experience of psychedelics where I do it in a meaningful way mm-hmm. with a guide. And, you know, I, it feels like it would be medicinal for me and I would like it. I have not done it because of the risk assessment situation. Right. Right. Like that is the thing that keep, it is not like, um, I don't know, AA stuff. Well, maybe it is, maybe it's conditioning, but like, I don't go there because it feels like once I'm past that, uh, that radioactive sort of electric third rail, I'm in a different universe. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that universe is safe for me. And a lot of that feeling is because of stuff that I got conditioned with when I was really young. Yeah. So tell me about, let's just for the, for the people listening, watching, what are the different subcultures? Oh, okay. AA and the 12 steps. Should I go over that again? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> Wait, um, did you have a drinking problem? <laughs> <laughs> um, the raves, uh, which was the 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 second the second scene chronologically. Well, actually, the first two scenes chronologically. Deafness in American Sign Language. My first language is ASL. My whole family is deaf. Uh, Hasidic Judaism and Judaism, which we discussed. My father got kind of born again, and I would do half my year, do, my my summers doing that. And then raves led to Burning Man. I heard about a rave in the desert, and that was enough for me to pack a car and drive six hours into the desert to see what was waiting for me. And it was not a rave. It was something much more dangerous, much more hilarious, and much more wild. And and, and is it lasted longer than the raves, actually. I'm still doing that. And then, of course, the thing that gave me the cultural cachet to be able to write a book in the first place, stand-up. So each of the segments gets a history, a historical rundown, a mm-hmm. comedic historical rundown, and then I enter the narrative, and it becomes about my time in that world. How did you decide to write, to structure it this way? 
Well, I knew that I wanted to write another book. I knew that I didn't want to write an, another traditional memoir. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to do something that was more conceptual. Um, I, uh, I, I liked um, David Foster Wallace is Infinite Just Guy, right? Yeah. I read an uh, a, the, an essay. I think it was um, uh, the Lobster. Consider the Lobster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really liked his footnote thing. I thought that'd be kind of cool to do a comedic uh, memoir that was historical and required research mm-hmm. and footnotes. I liked the idea of foot. I want have footnotes. I have footnotes, mm-hmm. and I and I'm happy with them because they're fun. They're a fun medium to play with. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do kind of a concept memoir, and then you know I struggled through the through the book. Uh, it was hard to write. I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. I mean, I had mm-hmm. stacks of research books and history, and it yeah. was it was crazy. But I, I was like, what's the thesis here? What's the through line? Mm. Like what w- – my brother was asking me that as he would read it and my editor. And I started to realize like it's it's me, obviously. you know. Oh, did you not realize that at the beginning? I mean that's obviously true. But, but what – it's more spiritual than that. It's mm-hmm. like I – it's the thing we were talking about that you get to – you get past the thing and you look back and you go, oh, it was uh, – fate isn't the right word. But yeah, fate. Not fate in that I think I was headed to a place, but mm-hmm. fate is something that you can only notice looking backwards. Like I go, oh, wow, this was a path that looked like uh, random. It mm-hmm. looked like these worlds didn't belong together, but they right. do belong together through through me, through my through my flesh and through my my soul or whatever. And uh, so it is that it is like a a a, a letter to um, to to hindsight and to uh, what you, life used to be like before the monoculture, before the internet told you what culture was. Mm-hmm. And it's in some ways, it's like a letter to my kid going like, mm-hmm. well, this was the worlds that I lived in. And these are the things that were uh, important to me. And these are the, 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 the universes that made me who I am, which of course, same thing with hindsight, like makes you who you are because I, I, you are me and you're Natasha too. And she's got her own paths and we kind of blend all of this together to make a universe where hopefully you can find your own people. You can find your own universes. You can have your own path. Um, and then, and as I was telling you a little bit off mic, um, because you tree shamed me. What did I do? We have Christmas trees. Oh, that's no. Listen, first of all, I would have done a very light tree shame if it was just if it was December twenty second. Okay, <laughs> I would have just been like Rosen, huh? Christmas tree. That would have been it. Okay, but to come in on what is it now? January twenty seventh, twenty sixth, twenty sixth. Still ornaments still on the tree. What? <laughs> it would have been a mark of some of some chaos if the tree had been in the garbage can. It's in the living room. The ornaments are up, folks. This is a bald-faced lie. <laughs> and I did, I was I don't know if it's bald or bold, so I tried I never to have split the either. difference. Yeah. yeah. A butt naked or buck naked, I don't know. Oh, I always God, I don't know either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Dick off, jack off. I think it's both. And then like dickhead, do you visualize a head of a penis or like a guy who's a walking dick? Maybe mm. that's just me. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> this is your mirror game. Yeah, okay. Um, but, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, as I pointed out in my the defense I attempted to mount, there are ornament boxes yes. next to the tree, and they're f- like mostly filled. There's a few, you know, is the tree bare? Almost, it's <laughs> well, what, almost bare. When it's not, it's not the almost. What's left? What What would you the, say is is on the? 
I don't know. I just, actually, I don't know. It's like oversized ornaments. Or ornaments. Okay. There's ornaments on the street. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, okay. So I am on my own journey of uh, figuring out what does being Jewish mean to me. Sure. Someone who celebrated Christmas, still celebrates Christmas, never had any, someone who bought Judaism for dummies uh-huh. because I was like, I have to know what holidays people think I'm celebrating because people keep saying things to me and I don't know what it means <laughs> and I feel fake and I don't sure. know how to respond when someone says like, may you be written in the book or whatever it is they say. Yeah. Like that was the most recent one, but also even just like Mazel Tov. I was like, do I say it? But I don't know. Um, so grow, I grew up with nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But now I'm like, I feel like, I feel like I'm getting like I'm. There's a tingling in my horns, you know. Oh sure. Like I think your it's, horns are growing. It means yeah, it means something. Um, <laughs> you got to get them circumcised, and the tingling will oh, go away. No. If you circumcise your horns, the tingling goes away. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, what does it mean to you, Judaism? What, what is That's it? a huge question. It I is know. a big question. Well, it's meant different things at different times in my life. I was, like I said, like my childhood. Uh, it mostly. I was always proud of it, but it was also very, it was shame was a lot of the, the, mm. the, the driver and not classic, not classic shame. Right. I never felt shame about being horny. I never felt shame about, cause you know, I was raised in Oakland with my mom nine months of the year. My mom is like the most sex positive, over, <laughs> overly sex positive. I'd say too much sex positivity, mom. Right. Um, as I say in the first book, it, we, we got the impression growing up that not only would it have been okay if we were gay, it would have been much preferred. Like <laughs> it was, you know, so that was one universe. So I, it wasn't about being sinful or wrong. Um, it was about not. Are those classic Jewish shame areas? I think of those as like Catholic they're, shame. They're more that, but definitely if you're raised Orthodox, like, okay. yeah, you, you, you don't turn the lights on and off on Shabbat partially because that's the way you live, but also like. God would be not into right. that. Like, right, right, right. It's, you know, I mean, and that's not, that might not seem like a sin to most people, but to an Orthodox Jew, for sure it is. Mm-hmm. So, so I didn't have much of that because nine months of the year I was a secular, I was a secular. I, as I say in this book, like I had a much more and much less Jewish upbringing mm-hmm. than almost any Jewish person I know. It sounds like you had much less, but it's like, I'm I, an anomaly though. I was like, you know, uh, like hyper hyperbaric chamber judaism for the summer but then i'd go home and i wouldn't go to temple year right. round i didn't even go to summer camp with my was your I don't, mom did she it was she's jewish? jewish but she's just like you know it's all hippie she's more of a hippie and Got a therapy it. person and then all of a sudden i'm like in the old country <laughs> and so m- most of my experience in that community was being really embarrassed that i didn't know what i was doing you know this was a kind of place well where, that i get <laughs> <laughs> well we all get that to some degree but it's like you know, my family, my dad would take me, our family's from two, two sects of Hasidic Judaism. One are called the Satmars, mm-hmm. and that's the family, that, the, the sect that my father married into. And one are called the Skverer, the Skvers. Skver is a village in upstate New York. These are the two most hardcore of all the Hasidic Jewish groups. They're all hardcore. Mm-hmm. And these are the most hardcore. Skver, where my family, uh, uh, some of my family is from, uh, women don't drive Jeez. in New Square. Women don't drive. This town in Hillary Clinton's senatorial campaign, all of the citizens of New Square voted for Hillary Clinton. All of them. Maybe statistically not all, but basically all. Yeah. In an unrelated story, Bill Clinton pardoned one of the elders of that community in a Pell Grant scandal. Okay, this is the universe that we're operating in. It's like that it's heavy. 
It's not. These Wait, are, what's the significance of them all voting for Hillary? Because Hillary Clinton was, I mean, I don't know that this happened, but it would seem that uh, Hillary Clinton was like, if you give me your whole village, I'll get Billy Clinton over here to give you a little pass. And then the rabbi, oh, the, oh, oh, the big sorry, rabbi of that community, that, that this is such a hardcore community that the rabbi, it's called a rebbe, it's yeah. like a rabbi plus, it's like <laughs> rabbi prime, um, <laughs> could say to the citizens, we're voting for Hillary Clinton. So Got that's it. the Got it. that's how intense. I was stuck on like the women don't drive, but they voted for a woman. Uh, unrelated, <laughs> yeah. Because we could get our guy. I mean, I don't Got know that it. that ha- I do not know that that. But happened. possibly it did. It would be hard to explain all of those votes otherwise. Yeah. So, so that's my kind of what I'm living in, right? I didn't live in Square. That that would have been probably too much. I was in a neighborhood called Seagate, a Sotmar neighborhood called Seagate. The dodgeball games in that neighborhood were the ultra orthodox kids versus the actually religious kids. Right. Like the ultra orthodox kids were the non-religious kids in that community. These kids spoke Yiddish as a first language. These these are I have cousins with Eastern European accents that are third generation American. Wow. Like like it's it's he- like pretty culty, right? Culty is not the, Maybe word, not the right word. I would. Well, yes, in a way, I guess it is culty because each sect of Hasidic Judaism is characterized by the fact. And this is very specific to Hasidic Judaism, it's characterized by the fact that there is a Rebbe. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a Rebbe is a rabbi. Plus, every Hasidic Jewish sect has a Rebbe at the top who is who is the 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 king of that little universe. And right. I go through the history of Hasidic Judaism and how that started in the book. Um and I I'll I'll, I'll spare you the details, but it, it it started in that tradition. Um, there was like an upstart. And the weird thing about Hasidic Judaism is it was originally supposed to be an answer to old world Judaism, which had become very rule-based, very uh, devoid of spirit. And all of a sudden, this rabbi, the Baal Shem Tov, came along and said, let's start doing crazy shit. Let's start being spiritual. It was kind of like Sufism in, in Islam or like, you know, it's just like this weird upstart mm-hmm. thing that then created. I mean, it sounds like the beginning of Jesus Christ Superstar. It sounds like Jesus Christ, actually. Yeah. In in a lot of ways, it does sound like Christianity. What Jesus was trying to do, uh, the Baal Shem Tov was trying to do, right. is like let's restart this yeah. thing. Let's give it a a jump start. Let's get get back to what it's supposed to be about. Exactly. Not with these old old fogies. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's the same process. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, I'm trying to answer your question. In the beginning. I was ashamed because I had Eng- I had an English prayer book. I didn't know the prayers. They'd call on me, and I just I just remember be- trying to be invisible. And then um, and then it became a middle finger. Like I don't give a fuck about this. When I started getting high, I'm, I wasn't going back to Seagate anymore. I was just like fuck you guys. And then I got sober, and I started to to, to go into Jewish stuff as a. Um, as a kind of reconnecting to like a, cause they, in AA, they say like there's an 11th step where you look through prayer, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact mm-hmm. with God or whatever. So I go, well, why not try Judaism? That's the thing I was born into. I'll try that. And I started to have a relationship with it. And then my dad got sick. And then it, I went, I went home to watch him die. Mm-hmm. And then after he died, uh, I was, charged with the task of saying the prayer for the the mourner's cottage Uh, and you have a full year where you're supposed to say that prayer and also losing a parent it's so gnarly but um but judaism has this system of grief which is so powerful and palpable like i don't know how other people do it so my dad died in july and i would have liked to have a system of grief well, because you're so lost. Yeah. Grief is so hard. You don't know what to do. And then here comes religion going, you don't right. know what to do? Like you it, need answers? Religion really steps up when you're mourning. I yes. Think. And Judaism in particular, it was like stratified. It's like, I don't know what to do. I'm in chaos. I need a path for my grief. 
it's like here's the path Mm -hmm. a week we sit in shiva and we sit there and you don't you just sit and grieve and in the muck of your pain and then at a a weekend we get up we walk around the block we let the soul of the departed go but for a month you're in this different state you don't shave you don't go to cover mirrors right you cover the mirrors i don't know if that lasts a full month that definitely is in the shiva you don't go to concerts you don't go to movies you don't go to parties you just you're you're back because you have to go back to work, mm-hmm. but you're in this altered state, so you're right. still grieving. And then the uh, and then for the month is up, you can you you become uh, I shaved, so now I look normal again, but I'm still not quite normal. I still have to say this prayer. I'm still in the I'm still like charged. You do it every day. Is that you're supposed to do it every day? And my brother did it every day. I don't. I'm not religious enough to do that. Right. But I would try to do it every week. I would try to go to synagogue on every Friday night for the full year and say this prayer because I was still in this like active grieving phase. And I started to have this unique experience, which was like so different from my experience in AA. It was not this like bam, you're a bam, you're a reverend. Mm-hmm. This is like. I'll never be a rabbi. I'll always have this at arm's length, but it become it had become mine. Mm-hmm. Slowly it became mine. And the weirdest the weirdest thing is like I'm this like raver kid and um and and this burning man guy and I would go into temples in the in the Bay Area and it'd be like woman rabbi and like hippies and gay guys and I'd just be like what is this? You know, like it's so weird because it's like I'm, I'm this, but the only exposure to a Jewish thing is through this like f- unbelievably narrow and old fashioned thing. Right. So I'm, I'm having these like almost aesthetic objections to what I'm seeing. <laughs> you know, I go, well, why am I objecting to this? Like yeah. I, I, I don't even you like s- the thing I'm negatively comparing it to. I'm like, it right. should be like this, which yeah. sucks. And <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> right. Um, through all that kind of grappling, I like I just crafted this vision, this version of it that like would belong t- to me a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, it was fish, not bones, <laughs> and it was uh, and it was mine. And and I got a degree in, when I went to college. Like I studied Jewish history, and that's where I really started to understand what my relationship with Judaism is. Is like my relationship with Judaism more than anything is historical, mm-hmm. uh, and and. It's love. It's a love. Love based. I love our history. I love our struggle. I love our our path. Our difficulties. Our triumphs. Um, uh, our our ugliness. Our beauty. Like I love the history of 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 our people. I guess is and that is all in here. Um, I know that Natasha converted. Yeah. Was that important to you? Was it? What was that decision like? It was. Um. I would have married her no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um. But when she offered it to me, it was extremely meaningful to me. Uh, I think it's a crazy request to a person to go like, hey, how about you leave your identity behind and join mine? It's like crazy. <laughs> so I never made the request. I wouldn't have made the request. And she was like, I do it. I like it. I want to. She was Catholic. And she's like, I don't have anything there that's left. Like, I like these certain things. I like Shabbat. I like blah, blah, blah. And so uh, so that was really meaningful. And it was it was it was um, sweet to me that we could have a jewish family kind of thing because like i said like i know it probably sounds like i'm super religious i really am not i just like i i wasn't tra- somehow i wasn't traumatized by that shame stuff because mm-hmm. i always felt like it's another universe I, mean, I remember being at my father's shiva and there were all these uh men there that looked like they were time travelers 
And I just remember, and they, they were there to say the prayer. Three times a day you'd say this mourner's prayer. And I remember um, going, I want to, this is pre-live streaming, but I was like, I want to, whatever live streaming will be. I like. A, I wish I had like a camera on this yeah. so that I could port it back to my friends back home and they could look at the video because then they would get me, you know? <laughs> what would What would they have gotten like about I'm, you? That this is me too. Okay. That I'm this product of these like bizarro like other universes mm-hmm. that you can't relate to. I go fly back home and it's like all my fucking Burning Man friends with like face tattoos and all my my rave friends and my recovery friends like the guy with the swastika tattoo. He's still my best friend to this day. That's a joke. I don't know that guy. But anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I'm, I mean, they can't even – I go, oh, yeah, my dad was religious. I go, oh, okay. Like even even you, even my comedian friend. Oh, my dad was religious. I go, oh, okay. No. You don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there are certain people that get it. Like Alex Edelman gets it and Robbie Hoffman gets it. These are people that were born in this universe too. But it was like, it just felt like it would help translate me. Mm-hmm. Not like I'm them, but like right. this weird thing is a part of the building blocks of who mm-hmm. I am. And so I guess like you asked me like how this book come about. Like to me, this is like, uh, this is me explaining mm-hmm. my my meanness to the to the world to uh to myself and to, to my kids someday like this is how i became me you can't get me mm-hmm. without all of these universes right right did you watch unorthodox i did yes i did because that, that is the sect that my family's from it is okay yeah. so very like i mean you said how fundamentalist and like strict and intense it is but um do you have Ju- judgment sounds so judgmental. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of classically about so. It though? Yeah. Yes, of course. I def- definitely. It's a. It's a. It's a stark, and and sometimes ugly. It can be an ugly world, um, but that ugliness has an explanation. Uh, some of it is is uh, unjustifiable. Um, some of it is yeah. Some of it's unjustifiable, but the it, it's not inexplicable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of it is very beautiful. That world is very beautiful. Uh, very. Cl- traditional in a way that is really beautiful uh the hasidic world in general by the way is not the world of every sect is not the same mm-hmm. uh and some are very just joyous and beautiful they're all fundamentalist religion and they have the trappings that those things do but but hasidic judaism you have to understand uh and this is what i felt my task in this book was in some ways you have to understand that you are not when you look at that ugliness you are not looking at the ugliness uh, s- straight. Mm-hmm. You are looking at that ugliness through the reflection of the Holocaust, yeah. of uh, two thousand years of pogroms, of the of of anti-Semitism, and which culminated in its apex at the Holocaust. So the the Hasidic Jews that you see now, they are all living in response to mm-hmm. what happened in in World War Two. All of them came from Europe. All of those sects, except for one great sect, the called the the uh, the Bostoner. who are literally born in i don't know how but they came from boston (laughs) and i love that it's just like i love the idea of a bunch of thick-necked goons in a a, like drinking guinness out of a yarmulke but anyway all the rest of them they are a product of the shattering of their people and then some of them had you know the the chabad people you know they do the telethon uh it's so funny just last night i was googling I, i thought it was pronounced shabad but I was like, what is that? Because I met someone who said her daughter goes to Shabbat here. And I was Chabad. like, 
Chabad. Yes. Chabad. You can do Chabad. Chabad. Chabad better than Chabad. I Shabbat. want to do it. Chabad. Yeah, that's pretty good. He said that her daughter goes to Chabad, and I was like, so what is just it? lean your horns into it. <laughs> and I was like, what is the difference between Chabad? Does that sound right? Close. I feel like I Chabad. should. Chabad. 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 Good? There's too much. Is that right? Too much. Yeah, you're overdoing it. Chabad. Uh, I lean too hard into the horns. <laughs> okay. Um, Chabad. What's the difference between that and synagogue? So anyway, last night I was trying to find out, like, what is the difference between that and synagogue and temple and, like, all these things. Right. Anyway, all that and more is explained in the book, but... I got to read that I mean, that it's, too much. it's too much to go through the entire history of it. But what I will say is, after the war, all the, the Hasidic dynasties that were left, many, many, many did not make it. Uh, came to America and to Israel, and some stayed in Europe, but really mostly no. Actually, they 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 basically were gone. Um, some so they all had to say, well, what do we do now? You know, a lot of Jews just were like, well, fuck this. Judaism is bullshit. Religion's bullshit. How's there a God when my whole family was destroyed? Right. Well, but, my dad's response, although he was born here, it's probably my mom. Her mom came over from Vienna. The rest of her family did not make it. But my dad's response was just like, I'm an atheist being jewish seems unsafe and i would like to not ever be that so i'm going to say i'm not yeah he, but then he didn't change the name so it's like my right. whole life i was saying i was, I believe i wasn't jewish everyone knew i was well, this classic thing this is not your dad was not the first person to do it this right. classic thing is is one of the most mystical elements of anti-semitism which is that your dad isn't forgiven he doesn't like you can't even by the mythical anti-Semitic uh, force of the universe. Oh right, right. No, you can't. You, you can't, can't go. You hey, can't. no, I left it. They're yeah. like, nope, you're still in. Right. You know. Except for right now. Sorry to get political, but except for right now, where actually Jews are are white colonizers. Also very complicated. But what I will say is that in Germany. Before the Germans were the most assimilated of all the Jews. Yes, this is what I've heard. They used to call them the more more Christian than the Christians, and they would have, and I hate to say this, but they would have Christmas parties <laughs> with beautiful Christmas trees, and they'd bake a ham, and they'd invite all their friends, and Jesus. it'd be all Jews yeah. because none of the. It's like they were going like, "Come on, it's Christmas," but none, but no non-Jews would even show up, <laughs> right? Right, but um, so. So from the most assimilated of all of the European Jewish communities comes the Holocaust. That's that's some shit that kind of blows your, blows my mind. Yeah. Anyway, the Hasidic Jews, when they came to this country, they had a few different responses. Jews had a lot of different responses. Mm. Some were like your dad. A pretty, I would say, not a weird response to say, For fuck this, time, I'm out. For that time, yeah. That makes sense to me. Born in 33, Some yeah. people were like, let's assimilate and, and, and just hope that people don't do this again. And, <laughs> and, and a lot of the Hasidic Jewish groups said to themselves okay, the world is profane, violent, they hate us, they're awful, uh, let's build a wall around our society because yeah. we're the only thing, we know us, and right. we're the only thing left. So they built this that, that is good mm -hmm. in the world. Let's build a wall around our society, and we'll just hold on to these little shards of holiness. What happened inside of the wall is that that ethic became you know warped the people were born inside the wall and they were so right. it became so it's like insularity exactly so as i say like when you're interacting with a hasidic jew you're never interacting with the jew but you're interacting with that jew with that hasidic jew's interaction with the destruction of almost all of its his ancestors it's a just you'll it's just it's a blip in the timeline it's a railroad switch yeah. so all the the stuff that is difficult I'm not saying it's absolvable. It's not. But all the stuff that is difficult is mashed through that historical lens. Oh, that totally makes sense. Um, and I can see why they flew you around to talk about AA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Um, 
let's uh, take a take a turn, a detour, yeah. and do just me or everyone. Okay. Yes, I'm excited about this. Sometimes I <laughs> the music, by the way. Thank you. In juxtaposition to the conversation. I know. <laughs> Is it just me or everyone? All right. You said you had one. Okay. This is, am I the only one? That's what you're wondering, yes. I flush the toilet while I am peeing. Yes. All, all of the time, I have tried to stop. <laughs> Me too. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why I do it. Yep. How far in are we talking? <laughs> well, well, never as close to being done as I think. In my yeah. head tells me. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Me too. I think it is a basket, maybe a man basketball thing. You're like, duck. <laughs> the last drop is going to like. Sw- I don't know why I do it. It's wasteful. Yeah. It's- oh, because then you got to flush again. Yes. And there's still pee in the in the right, toilet. Right. Right. Interesting. I can't believe you do it too. I wonder if so many guys do it and <laughs> when, we just never talk about it. When you started talking, I'm, I, I was like, oh my God, please say it. Please say it. <laughs> <laughs> do you get a little bit of a like effervescent wetness too i mean i guess you're probably not that close you're saying like the spray back from the toilet from the flushing sometimes there's like a little like i I, hear well that's because you sit yeah yeah that's what i'm saying yeah well but my like i like to put the lid down now before flushing even makes sense yeah um (laughs) but why don't do it (laughs) so 100 percent of the time this happens yeah, and I'm the same boat. Like, keep trying to like, yes. stop doing it. Why am I doing this? Yes, I for for I would say years. I've been going. Don't do that anymore. That's dumb. And then I just do it. It does sound like you're trying to time it right, though. Like, I think so. It's like a expedience thing. But why? Why do I need it? You can yeah. walk out of the room while it's flushing. There's That's no. True. Yeah, I don't. You know. don't have to make sure that the process is complete. <laughs> it's not like you're going to impress anyone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, what about urinals? Oh, urinals are. Actually, sometimes I do flush the urinal before I'm done, but not as much. I don't think I ever do that. Not as much. You don't really need to flush a urinal, truthfully. That's like a yeah. courtesy that every 10th user does. <laughs> what does flushing a, a urinal do? You just shimmer water past the cake. <laughs> okay. So when you pee in a urinal, it goes down. And then yeah. flushing it is giving it a little courtesy. Yeah. So not everybody needs to flush a urinal. It's really, it, you know, you just do it when it feels right. Right. Okay. <laughs> and you just hope somebody else is doing that, too. You spray it forward. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Okay. Excellent. That was an excellent one. And I feel like a lot of people are going to write in and say it's them as well. Um, do you happen to have a Hey Go Fuck Yourself? Oh, Hey Go. Do you have one? Oh, I'm, it's just me. It's just you. I see. Oh, this is heavy. Uh, my, my, uh, uh, st- my, my, my stress, my mind. Okay. I've been Hey Go Fucking Yourself my mind because I've got this book. I've been having this conversation so much. It's so heavy. There's so much weight on it. And I just want to say, I would love to get to the point where I walk through a heavy pressure situation and don't stress off of it. Mm-hmm. What would that be like? Are people like that? I feel like they are. But are I don't Buddhists know like books. that? Oh my gosh, probably. Oh, it would be thing. so good if yeah. I could just be like, yeah, that's happening. But we'll see what happens. Oh my God. It'll be good. Maybe. Have you ever heard that Chinese proverb about the maybe, the guy with the horse? Mm-mm. I love this. Uh, and th- this is also a theme in the book, which is like you just don't know when bad things are good, when good things are bad. You just don't know until you get to the further down the path. There's this like Chinese villager, and he uh, and he um, he he finds a uh, uh, 
a horse in the field, beautiful horse. And all the uh, the neighbors run up and they go, you found a horse? You got a free horse? That's, um, that's great. And he goes, maybe. And then the next day, uh, his son takes it for a ride and is shucked off the horse and it breaks his leg. And they go, your son broke his leg. That's terrible. He goes, maybe. And then the next day, the emperor's forces come and say, we're conscripting all the young men to the war. And then they look at the son and go, you're good. So it's like this this tale about like, you just don't ever, ever know what's good or what's bad. Mm. What if you could walk through the world with that in your mind? I feel like that would take, it'd be such a discipline, which I guess is what Buddhism is. Right. That'd be amazing. It is funny though. It's useless. Buddhism? (laughs) Yes. Buddhism (laughs) as a religion is useless. (laughs) Stress. I know. It's just you, it doesn't help you no, accomplish the thing. Yeah, worry, stress, they don't do anything. And yet I think as someone who does worry and get stressed, or this is about worry, not stress specifically. I think there's this idea that if you think about it enough and right, you can keep yourself safe, which is bullshit. Right. And you won't, you won't, nothing will slip. Yeah. You know, you'll get blindsided. Well, with this book, you know, this book is very, it's a launch. I mean, it's like a movie or a, tv show but even more i don't know it's just like it's like build up build up build up and i just go i keep trying to live in this place of like this will be over Mm -hmm. the the hype the good the the anguish whatever it is it's gone it's in a few months i won't i'll just be like oh i'm I'm on to this thing now so why don't i live over there i'm gonna try i'll try to get there do what i need to do for this and then live over there right anyway do you ever have this is a just me or everyone Yes. You don't need to play it again. But <laughs> but it was time to be done. Like you can effectively get to the place of like, this will all be over. In three months, this will be over. But then you're like, well, if I can do that, this will all be over. My <laughs> like life will be over. Everything. Like it goes so fast. Like I can do I do that so and then that's like scares me. Like that thing of leave a party or a situation on a high note. And then I go, wait, why not? I'm not saying that I, I, I am I am absolutely not suicidal. But my my, my brain oh, goes mean, like, why not leave party? your life on a good note? Uh-huh. Which don't please, no one do that. The but, problem is with with leaving your life on a good note is you don't know when the good, the best note is. You're right. And I mean, that's the truth of the party too. But like, I really want to stay to the end of the party. Yeah. It's just even if it gets worse. I want to, I want to. Well, that's how I am with life. Like I know a lot of people are like, I, I, and it's male comedians who say this. I don't want to live past like, I don't know, 68, 70. I'm good. I'm out. And I'm like, talk to me when you're that age. Oh, I'm. I want to be live till I would. Forever. 98, 100. Okay. I got one for you. And for you as well. Mm-hmm. Would you rather? He was an afterthought, wasn't he? <laughs> no, he was my primary thought. <laughs> you talking about the, I, the drummer for Motion Motion No More? <laughs> um, would you rather live to one hundred and five, and you're sharp as a tack and healthy mm-hmm. until a hundred, and then you spend five years in body racking uh, agony and Alzheimer's? It's slip. Your consciousness is slipping from you. You're very aware of it. It's the worst, but you get. Or you die at 75. Hmm. And and there's no... So you get 25 more years. There's no way... I'm not 50. Tw- no, no, 25. <laughs> oh. The difference between 100 and 75 and, a, and 100 <laughs> is 25. I you were telling me when I'm going to die. <laughs> no, you get 25 extra years. Right. 
you got five years of misery. Five, with five years of misery. But now there's no way around those five years, right? We're, we're not no. like by that time. <sighs> no, 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 no. No cure. They, this is, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's inherent in the question. You get 25 years extra unbelievable life, but five years of agony, or you die at 75. I'm, I'm leaving at 75. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning that really way bad. too. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm doing I'm doing the full Monty. Really? Yeah, I'm trying to squeeze life. But it's all good. Those five years are gonna be so bad. I'll deal with it. Like I'm I get doing twenty five year twenty five. I'm only twenty six now. Right. <clears throat> Same. I know. I know, but like I'm doing twenty five more years with your I'm doing kid. In, in, I know. Like I'm doing Invisalign right now, and for some reason that's like five years of agony. Well. It's really not bad, except every night I get this just horrendous pain on this side of my face. Mm. And I can barely tolerate that. So these five years of misery, I don't know if I can hack it. Right. You might not have the strength. I always think about that, by the way. Like when I was going through, um, when, when we were like doing the like pandemic and stuff, mm-hmm. I was like, we're complaining about that. People lived in attics for the whole ye- war. Right. Like, people get through crazy shit. They literally shit. have to bite a bullet to have their leg amputated. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, oh, my, my jaw hurts. The Invisalign is poking my gum. And then, like, I'll tell myself, because the second I feel it, I'm like, I got to take more Advil or something harder, you know? And then I'm like, it's just pain. I know. Can you just, can you just breathe through it? Like, it's just stress. It's the same yeah. thing. You oh. got to be like mentally tough and Buddhist, I think. You got to be Buddhist. I think my point of this conversation is everybody should be Buddhist. Right. So you wanted to say something to your stress. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Yep. All right. And now, and then this is the last part of the show. Okay. I have kept you too long. I Thank have to you. go. Um, Right now? No, I have to go uh, use the bathroom. Flush your toilet before all of the urine has been taken away. Would you? Okay, so what then we're gonna do go, is I, I'm in. I'm in. Podcast pals product picks. Would oh, you yes. like to pee first though? No, 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 no. Okay, no. let's roll. Let's, let's bop. Podcast pals product picks. All right. <laughs> Here's what I love. It. it was beautiful. That's not me. That's Robin Shore. Do you know her? Uh, yeah, I think I do. Yeah, okay. Those are her Here's what tones. I pick. Are you a nicotine pod user? No. I'm talking to your listeners. Oh. Are you a nicotine pod listener? Eater, <laughs> eater, sucker? Do you put nicotine pods in your cheek? Are you upset about uh, Joe Biden's agenda to take flavored nicotine pods off the market? Well, I am Joe Biden. This sounds for you. Anyway, basically, I've been ordering nicotine pods on the internet because that's the only place that you can get flavored nicotine pods anymore. I did not know this. Yeah, I guess, like, yeah, the Biden administration, like, you know that, like, long-standing thing where, like, kids and flavors, you know? Yeah. It's just so fucked up. It's like, adults like flavors. Mm. We like flavors, too. Anyway, I like these coffee-on pods. And they're, and I find them on on the on the internet. So if you were so a pod is something you put in your cheek as opposed to a vape pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was vaping for a while. Mm-hmm. You think I might have a substance problem at all? I mean, it seems like possibly. It's not. I <laughs> I'm not. I smoked, and then I did gum, and then I did toothpicks, and then I did vaping, and then they I did tooth- gum again, Wait, and then I did uh, nicotine toothpicks or just toothpicks. Nicotine toothpicks. I didn't yeah. know that exists. I don't think I have a substance problem. <laughs> anyway. Um, yes, it's, I was vaping through the uh, just. I was vaping, and then I was like. Um, it seems like lungs are important, and and then yeah, and then breathing. the pandemic thing. You know, I was like, oh, oh yeah. lungs, yeah, lungs, good. So anyway, uh, that's one. Okay, I, I'm going. Actually, I don't want to shout these people out because they've never been an advertiser on my um, 
on my podcast. Uh-huh. Do you have any socks that advertise on your podcast? Not presently, okay. although Listen, I have had Bombas and I do like them. I gotta say, they're the best sock. Oh, I got some stuff. Viba. I'm wearing the shoe. V-I-B-A-E. Viba boots. I'm wearing them right they now. They look good. They are the most comfortable you can boots. you get a shoe up on the camera? The, yeah, I could get a shoe up on the... Are you kidding me right now? Get a shoe up on the, Get this shoe on the... Like, they're made in Finland. <laughs> they, they look, look so like good. little elf shoes. Yeah. Um, I love them. Wait, I'm just like shouting out products that that uh, hook me up. This seems like... Is this the point of the game? No, the point of the game is so that then I can post it. This doesn't help me. put it in me. my Amazon store. Okay, this doesn't... I've been using... That's fine. But it's this, also just to recommend stuff. Listen, I got a lot of companies I like. I like Dandy Del Mar. I like Outlier New York City. I, I don't I know like who a, any of these people are. Well, they, they, I love What do them. they do? Do they make cool people clothes? Yeah, that's right. So, But this one <laughs> may be for you. This year, I have finally decided to start taking my skin care game. Oh, se- I love seriously. skincare stuff. I went to the de- dermatologist. Now, this is more for you, actually. Because I went and I go, look, I want to do something, but don't give me some bullshit that you know I'm going to fail. Like, give me the... Like, give me the guy that is vain but isn't going to do it all and he said retinol at night vitamin c in the morning Mm. uh, followed by an spf so i have i'm ashamed to admit this but the only combination of vitamin c and spf because i'm trying to make it even simpler the only combination of spf and oh you're trying to do the like two in one i got that goop <laughs> I got that goop. They got a two in one. You I think it's know. bad to have a two in one? No. Think it's bullshit? No, I think it's fine. I do two in one goop. It's f- super expensive, but it's two in one and it's like a little grenade and that makes me feel like a man. It looks, it looks like, like a grenade. grenade. Not literally, but very Is close. Is it for men? No, goop. Come on. Well, man. I wouldn't think goop was, but it <laughs> I would was love like to grenade. see goops goop men. Oh, let's we could make <laughs> oh, so much money. Goop men. Actually, if Gwyneth hears this, she's starting it. Yeah. Goop men. Gwyneth. You kinda got a Gwyneth thing about you. You must have heard that before. No, I've never heard that. Really? You do? Yeah. I've yeah. heard Claire Danes from Kurt Brownoller. Okay. Yeah, you um, know, you got a Gwyneth thing going on right thank now. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, you do. Goop. Thank you. And then retinol is... Uh, which, which one do you... Like, what percentage I've do gone. All, I don't know. I've gone all over the place. I, the thing is about skincare is it all feels a little bit like snake oil. Because mm-hmm. you go in, you go, how much is this? I go, $170. You go, okay. And then you go on to Amazon. How much is this? $20. It's... And How my, could it? What do you got in here? What what ox horn have you ground up? Right, my husband is the biggest mark for that. Yeah. He got sold on because he goes to a dermatologist. He grew up in Arizona, gets like little skin cancer things yeah. to get removed, so he has to go to the dermatologist. And he happens to go to one in Beverly Hills that like has his own skincare line. Yes. So he'll come home with two bottles, and I'll say, "How much did it cost?" And he'll say, "Oh, I don't know." Like he doesn't, he won't ask. And it's like this vitamin C serum. We had he bought one. I ended up using it. So they're it wild. Fine. It costs one hundred and eighty dollars. No, it's insane. Yeah, that's why goop. Get that goop. Yeah. <laughs> Got to grab that goop. <laughs> so wait, let's go back to these coffee nicotine pods, though. Yeah, which you don't want to say the name, which is fine. I'll just. I don't care about saying the name. I on oh. pods are what I like. Oh, on, on pods. Oh, on. So, but I'm using it right now. I got I got these because I found a a a, a, a weird um, upstart liquor store. Zip. This is what most people use. An upstart liquor store still sells the flavored kind. I will not say where because they're outlaws. Uh, but these are gross. I like that. So what on. is it though? It's like a little pouch you put in your cheek, and then you want me to put one in? I mean, I was going to anyway. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I was going to try to subtly to do it. No, no, that's a beauty. But by the way, this is not uh, chewing tobacco, just so you know. This is to chewing tobacco as vaping is to smoking. This is okay. synthetic nicotine. 
It's, uh, it's made so in, sensual too. Made in a lab. Did it? Oh, did it do it for you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> made in a lab, and uh, it's just got like vegetable detritus and flavoring in it. And it's and nicotine. And it's good for you. So no, wait, I don't think it's good for you. <laughs> but wait, nicotine. Okay, that now, I don't sue me. This is for entertainment. But nicotine itself is like actually, my understanding is that is not bad for you. It's all the other stuff that's bad for you. So is that actually not bad for you, or does that give you cancer? Uh. It unlikely gives you cancer, but it is not. I would not say, and I am not an expert on this either. Yeah, don't I would not. Either. I would not say that it is good for you. Okay. I think it ha- does have detrimental health effects. But smoking is so unbelievably bad for right. you. Uh, it's been f- like s- years since I've smoked, f- f- more than five. Mm-hmm. But um, I kind of here's the real problem with being sober and getting married. It's just like, what do I got left? <laughs> video games i do yeah yeah i haven't vi- played a video game in a long time i should get back into that but it's like what do i i got i can't be just guy just man like just husband just, husband and just father. person walking around with nothing i gotta have one little thing don't i don't i deserve it you mean like we well, got burning man that's like a huge I want like thing. a vice okay i don't want a vice there's some part of me that's like i don't want to give up and are you like pretty because i saw the clip where natasha was talking about not buying sugared cereals for your daughter. Mm, I do eat a lot of sugar. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, are you like a like clean eating? That's not you. That's just I her. eat healthy plus candy. I'm keto plus candy. Okay. What's no, your... I'm not keto, but I eat generally pretty healthy and then I eat candy. What's your candy of choice? Oh, gummy for sure. Uh, I had a dark night on Amazon the other night and I started lo- Googling um, really spicy cinnamon candy. Okay. Like I, I want it to hurt a bit. Is this trying to get off of it or you just want to feel something? No, no, no. It's like, I like it. I want it. Give oh, yeah. me that. Mm-hmm. And I did. I found these gummy, uh, these uh, jelly bean cinnamon hearts, real strong. I ordered a two pound bag. <laughs> and then when I was there, I saw a two pound bag of sour gummy candy. Okay. Went ahead and ordered that as well. I've never done that before. And when it came, I was like, this is wrong. This is not. It's like getting a, like a pocket pussy or something. It's just like, what, what am I doing? Like, I can't. This can't be coming in the mail for me. So I can't do that again. But yeah. I will eat all the candy. But when I'm done with that, I, I, I believe I will never order that again. But right. But you're still going to eat candy. You're just not going to order two pounds of. Oh, I'll still eat candy. Yeah. You just can't have an Amazon package of four pounds of candy. I mean, come, that's, there's, that's wrong. When I was pregnant with. My first kid, I got this craving for. Do you remember those sun-kissed fruit gems? Oh, they're really good. I think they don't make them anymore. Yeah, that would make sense. They're solid. That's a solid candy. They I know are. all gummy candy. That's a solid okay. candy. They're. I really enjoyed them. They make an inferior version at Trader Joe's. Oh but yes, it's not as good. I've never you want tried that it. disc. You know that disc has the uh, individually wrapped disc. It's it, the disc has softness and coldness. Mm-hmm. You put it on your tongue; it's kind of cold in yeah. this weird way. Yeah, kind of like what's going on here. What I found were like some that were made from the Philippines, and they had a different flavor. And I was like, "This is it." Didn't do it for you. It's like scratching next to the itch. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Now, where are you with like a good and plenty? Or a good I love, and plenty? A, I love a good and plenty. Okay. I love a good and plenty. That's a solid candy. Yeah. That's a rock solid candy. My parents ask me about Snickers. I'll ask you that next. My parents went through a phase years ago where they were into fresh, good and plenty. Yeah, good, fresh, good. And there was like one store where they could get them fresh. <laughs> I love that. I thought about, it was uh, pretty adorable. No, that, I love that, and I relate to it actually. I think that I think that's kind of what's up because yeah. I like certain candies. I like 
are not popular, mm-hmm. and so you will often get one. You go, oh, this is five years old. Right. Like I want, I want a different. I want the fresh version. I want the soft fresh. What's however marshmallows? I like to put them on a uh, shelf and for two years and let them become rock hard. I've never been able to get successfully do it, but I once found a bag of opened marshmallows that was like two years old. Mm-hmm. It's one of the greatest experiences of my life. When you <laughs> when you age them, do you open the bag? Yes. Okay. I, open I the like bag. a stamp. I've, I've gone further than that. I've taken them out of the bag and arranged them on a shelf so that, that they is... can age more uh, with more with more oxygen. <laughs> and and your wife's cool with this? No, <laughs> of course not. Oh my god, I just had a, the best memory. Which I, and then I have to ask you about Snickers, and I have to ask, and you got to pee, and I have to ask you about what are these un, unpopular candies you like? Okay. That's where we're going, and then I promise I'm letting okay. you go. When you were last here, yeah. which was in my old apartment. Uh, you, there we it was filled with toys and like a bit we had instead of baby proofing it we just put a big I remember up. I remember you t- you said can I take a picture yes and send it to Natasha and say I don't want our house to ever look like this <laughs> that is so rude of me was it fun it was funny okay good that yeah, was funny um you know I remember I had a friend come over once uh when we were uh, I think maybe Natasha was pregnant and he looked at our living room which is immaculate I know and he was like. And that's Natasha. And he was like, oh, say goodbye to this. There's toys everywhere. <laughs> and I go, I don't think we're going to do that. And he goes, oh, 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 I'll talk to you in a couple of years. And I it, I have made it. Was it Pete Holmes? No, but it could have been. <laughs> I have made it my mission to make him wrong. Mm, because I wish someone had said that to us. I have a uniquely well-situated living room for that. We have double doors that close and latch. So we kind of have kept, not that our kid isn't allowed in there. She is, mm-hmm. but it's not. You can make it's it not, not a, the play area. It, we can stop it from being a play den. Right. Um, and so I have I have kept that conversation in my mind. Where does she play though? Like where are her toys? In her room? In her room. There are some in that in that one room a little bit. We mm-hmm. tuck them in the corner. And then we have a downstairs area too that oh, she that's can play good. in. Yeah. All right. Real fast. Okay. What can, what's your unpopular candy? I like a Nico wafer. That's an oh, old school. God. You hate? <laughs> I mean, I haven't had them in a long time, but don't they taste like chalk and yep. clove? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Give me that. Uh, un- unpopular. I like a. I like a. I don't know if it's unpopular. I like a hot tamale. Obviously, they used to have fierce hot tamales. I didn't know this. And then they stopped making them, and that's why I had to resort to Amazon. Uh, I like a payday. It's pretty good. Here- here's what's weird. You're asking me about Snickers. I'll answer yeah. you now. Okay. I hate nuts in candy. Same. Always, except for payday, which is all nuts. It's just nuts with like caramel inside. Right? I don't get it either. But it- how do you feel about Snickers? D- disgusting. S- I don't think they're disgusting, but I Would do never not one. love them. Wouldn't eat one. Same. If I was dying. Maybe if I was dying. But yeah, I don't get it. They're not. I, I no. Milky Way over Snickers any day. Absolutely. Keep the nuts away from my candy. Lizzie Cooperman was on the show around Halloween, and she went around the table and tried to guess what our, each of our favorite candy is. And she told me, for me, she was getting big Snickers energy. No, you don't have Snickers energy. Thank you. I yeah. have Gwyneth energy. You got Gwyneth and, and Starburst discs. I've never had or one. Or Starkist discs. Oh, yeah. Sun, Whatever those sun, are called. Sunkissed sun discs. Yeah. Yes. Listen, this has been delightful. Thank you for letting me take me up your entire day. I appreciate I it. it. Uh, tell a plug, plug. Oh, wait, well, please. yeah, the book is out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You can pre-order, you can order it now. Uh, actually, if you if you pre-order it, uh, you still will get access to an online book uh, tour event. Cause if for they pe- pre-order it. If for the oh, like pre-orders. Right now. Yeah, today, right now. Then you can come. I have six moderators, one from each scene. We have uh, uh, Max Greenfield, uh, 
quite quite an actor from New Girl. Uh, Now DeMarco from uh, Dancing with the Stars and America's Top Model and an author on his own. Uh, Reggie Watts for The Rave World. Um, uh, And we have uh, 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 Nick Kroll for Burning Man. Stand-up comedy is Atsuko. Uh, And Judaism is Alex Edelman. So it's quite an event. Sounds amazing. So if you order now, you can come to that. And if not, you can come see me on the road. I will be in Austin tomorrow. Uh, and then I at Book People with Duncan Trestle moderating. And then I will be at uh, uh, in L.A. with Mayim Bialik moderating as a part of the Pan America series at the Ebell Theater on the 31st. Then I will be in Washington, D.C. at 6th and I Synagogue. Uh, and I will be after that in New York at 92Y with Jacqueline Novak. And then I will be in San Francisco for Sketchfest. Um, that's on the third of actually I didn't do the timing right first I'm in San Francisco on the third that's another six person event that'll be really fun uh, it's almost sold out but it's part of San Francisco Sketchfest and you can come see me there I'm going to Portland too in February like 14th so wants to find all these dates where might they find MosheKasher.com. them okay was that too Excellent. many days at once you no can... it, uh, it was a lot I feel like people might not be able to take I'm just on, all I'm on it. book tour Come and see yeah. me, MosheKasher.com, M-O-S-H-E-K-A-S-H-E-R. And listen to Endless Honeymoon Podcast. That's right. I also got, uh, uh, oh, I should have mentioned that. I do an advice podcast <laughs> with my wife and people call in and we have secrets and it's great. It's it, it's the best and I and I love it and I love her and uh, yeah, listen to that podcast. Come see me live doing stand-up. This has been awesome. Tony? Not much going on right now. Same old crap. Instagram at Tony Thaxton. All right. Ooh, I need that. <laughs> and please follow me on social media at Alison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. My book, Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me, has been re released with new material. Oh, cool. Please go buy that and leave a review if you do. And especially if you like it, also leave a review for this podcast. Uh, sub- uh, subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash Alison Rosen and all the other places. Uh, and my newsletter, alisonrosen.substack.com. You can get to all of the... Oh, my God. And I forgot to mention Patreon. Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Uh, you can get to all my stuff at allisonslinks.com. Moshe, thank you so much. This my was pleasure. so great. Definitely go buy the book. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Rosen is your new best friend.